Hey, it's Blair Johnson with the Badass Records Podcast, where we talk a little bit about you and some of your favorite albums. Catch new episodes Thursdays on YouTube or stream the audio from your favorite platform. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and if you'd like to do an in-person episode, hit me up at badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. It's the Badass Records Podcast featuring people, music, and badass records. Thanks for stopping by. Okay, so let's see here. Like I said, uh, episode 71, Badass Records Podcast, Hanging with Shane Powers, Sirens in the Suburbs, correct? That's me. That's you. That's us. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. You want to, can you pull that guy a little bit closer to the edge of the table? I can handle perfect, that. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. Can you hear me now? I am. <laughs> I can. Um, so, um, just doing a quick glance it feels like sirens in the suburbs is like uh two-ish three-ish years old is that accurate or yeah i guess so um so john and i john and i started playing together um we were sort of introduced through a mutual friend who um just knew john from growing up and and i had known for a long time and she's like i think you guys should meet and that was in um I guess that was probably the end of 2019. Okay. And then in 2020, John moved. I was driving. I live in Lawrence, and I was driving out to Independence, where he lived. Or uh, Grandview, rather. Sorry. And um, he moved to Olathe. And then it just sort of fell in place where he moved in, and uh, the guy next door saw a band t-shirt that he was wearing and was like, hey, I like some of these bands on the t-shirts that you wear. What's up? And, and he was like, oh, yeah have a regular jam going with this guy we're trying to get a band happening and he was like i'll come play guitar and uh it turns out he's really really good nice uh, um definitely the best musician of all of us i tell him that i also then immediately tell him he's the dumbest one of all of us. <laughs> you um, gotta keep it balanced yeah right? exactly. i can't i can't have him getting too inflated but uh so that's how dave came to be in the band and then the three of us sort of collectively started seeking out a drummer and um charlie lives like three blocks up the street from where those two lived seriously yeah and so i was driving out from lawrence and then everybody else would like walk over to the house <laughs> on sundays and um yeah we all just kind of uh have bonded over a, a shared love of of old punk rock music yeah. and in a, a share well except for dave dave doesn't have a love of old punk rock music he's um he's the outlier okay what's his jam um, I guess I don't I don't know how to describe it nicely. He likes he likes rock and roll music. He he likes um you know, all, all kinds of of old metal stuff Okay. And, um it, we actually did a a um Spotify thing where all of us made I think it's a list of 50 influential songs. Oh cool. And we shared that on our on our uh, Facebook page and all of that stuff yeah. and so um, I guess I would refer you to that. You can check okay. out 50 songs that... And uh, it says who's or which yeah. song. Okay. okay. Yeah, so each one of us, you know, uh, published it as as ourselves, and then it was shared on the on the band Facebook and Spotify page. 
And so um, it kind of highlights where everybody's coming from in okay. terms of our, our musical backgrounds and, and what we love to listen to, what's kind of influenced us sure. uh, to be the people that we are. And uh, it was funny because what kind of motivated me to do that beyond we were trying to like figure out how to get more Spotify listeners. And one of the regular suggestions is make playlists. Right. So I'm like, all right, let's make playlists. But also we're always trying to come up with a cover song that we can, you know, put together and make our own. And I was like, if we all make a list of 50 songs that influenced us, <clears throat> there's going to be overlap somewhere. Right. And in that overlap is going to lie the perfect cover the, song. The, the because, Venn diagram. Yeah, we can never agree. Anytime somebody's like, oh, let's do this. Somebody else is like, no, that sucks. I hate it. So um, I'm like, well, if we all name 50 songs that we love, there's going to be a, a song that will just stand out. And it actually happened that there was one overlapping band, not song, one overlapping band, and it was ACDC. <laughs> and we haven't covered an ACDC song Okay. Yet. Um, so have you guys hashed it out? Like, are there some that are like only Bon Scott and some that love the whole collective or? No, we don't fight about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, Bon Scott was definitely the man, right? but you know, Brian Johnson's been carrying ACDC for like, but is he, didn't he depart and somebody else or is he, and is he uh, back no, now? He was gone and then he came back. He had some kind of hearing problem. Like That's he was right. going deaf. That's uh, right. He's into all sorts of crazy shit. Like besides being in ACDC, yeah. which is like the loudest job in the world. Yeah. He, uh, he races like, that's right. Ra like drag races. Uh, he is the man too. I mean, he's they, awesome. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't have the whole discography, like just up here. Most of it. I mean, I had my ACDC pocket, you know, uh, I, in my, and I also have little pockets of, you know, where I fantasize about being a musician and playing live to people. Um, and, uh, ride on, I think would be, I don't know. It. Oh my God. It's, it's like, uh, a real chill, like t t t t that's the, you know, I don't know what the time signature is, but it's real bluesy. Um, I want to say it came off of the Who Made Who soundtrack. Okay. I could be wrong, which was the Maximum Overdrive soundtrack. I, th I think it's on that awesome one. Awesome movie. Um, but it is so fucking good. And, uh, you know, they, even though it sort of stays in its blues shell, I mean, they they venture out and jam. I mean, it's, it's a great, great tune. And it's, and it's mellow. So, I mean, it would be... Uh, a bathroom break song for a punk show probably, but it's still really fucking cool. Um, but, uh, are you, um, born and raised in the area? Uh, I grew up in Lewisburg. Okay. So C cider mill. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Lewisburg cider mill. Okay. Um, I lived there from 1986 until 2004. Okay. Which you'll notice is 18 years. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when I, when I reached adulthood, I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Let's go. And uh, I lived around the metro area for a couple of years. Uh -huh. um, I lived out in Grandview, lived in Overland Park and Olathe. And, um, I moved to Lawrence in 2006, and I've been there ever since. Because? Lawrence was always like the beacon of cool in Kansas to me. Um, yep. You know, when I was a teenager, we'd yep. go out there for shows, and it just, 
it, it was always where I wanted to be. And yeah. so, um, I had the opportunity to move in with some of my buddies and, and I jumped on it. And, cool. You know, now I've been there for 17 years yeah. and it's just, it's got its flaws and I have sure. my criticisms, but I love Lawrence still. And, and, uh, that's all I'll probably be there for the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah, I, I just uh, was there Sunday uh, dropping my boy at uh, KU basketball camp, and it's like, no matter which way you come in, there's a moment. There's always a moment where you've, you're rolling. You're like, God, I love this town. Like, just rolling in. It's got a feel to it. Um, and that was, uh, I, so I, I maybe I'm uh, a little bit longer in the tooth than you, but I, I was going up in the. 90 91 92 anytime and i had a fake id so that helped yeah but, of course. but it was like uh i'm not sure you know probably a 49 51 split i'm not sure which side is which but uh going to shows and being in lawrence it's the beacon of cool i mean it was like all i wanted to do and that would eventually parlay into festivals at um um What's the lake? Clinton Lake. Uh yeah, walk well. Uh if initially uh green eggs and ham jam. And that's before my time. That then it You are long in the two. I am. And then it became Omega. Uh I've I've heard of that. And then I did uh the four I think I did four straight years of Wakarusa and then it moved to Arkansas and I never made the trek. We used to sneak into the Wakarusa festival every year. That was, that was like a yearly ritual for us. We would, uh, our friends would go out first and figure out what the wristband looked like. And they'd like, I think they sent pictures, but it also seems like that kind of might've been, it was probably about the time where you could send a cell phone picture and it was good enough that you could figure it out. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, they would, describe or send us a picture of the wristband we would make a fake one and then go trek in through the woods yep and um yeah just engage in debauchery all weekend yeah it was a blast lawrence is a great place to do that um so i think you mentioned that you have a sister do you have uh, other siblings I have, I have two sisters two sisters and what's the uh, i mentioned that i have a sister well it's We'll get to it, but uh, okay. what what's the uh, pecking order there? I'm the baby. Okay. So my sister Jamie is 11 years older than me, and my sister Nancy is eight years older than okay. me. And uh, here I am, the right? youngest. How did uh, mom and dad meet? Oh, I remember. Okay, yeah. Um, I believe my parents met. They, they probably will hear this and be like, you dumbass. But I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they met working together at Walmart in Excelsior Springs. Nice. Okay. Um, and were they, are they music people? Did they put music on in the home when you guys were growing up? Um, my dad was a big fan of music. Uh, on Fridays he would like go to the, to the pawn shop after work and buy new CDs. Cool. Whenever he got paid and and he had a huge collection of, you know, hundreds of CDs that I would always surf through and he would invariably be like, don't listen to that. That's not for you. (laughs) So I was a child. Uh, my mom also is into music. Um, You'll find on on my my list of fifty influential songs. You'll find a lot of really weird shit that you're like, what? How did how did this happen? And that's because of my mom. She really loves uh, like Billy Joel. And okay. She also loves really old, obscure, strange country songs. Okay. Like, like Red Sovine and things like that. Okay. Not really my bag. Never have been. Right. But she has musical tastes. Um, I don't really think of her as somebody who's into music, like. I always have music on no matter what I'm doing. I'm listening to music and 
she's not necessarily that way, but she definitely likes music. Uh, and, and like I said, my dad was, he was always listening to something. Sure. Um, when I was young, he was into the rock and roll of his era. Mm-hmm. And now I've got his, his record collection. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I don't know, man. He's like tucked it away in the basement and never, I don't think he's got a turntable anymore. And sure. And I, I was like, you going to give me those or, and, uh, you know, it's full Can of, we talk about the elephant in the room, dad, <laughs> right? Why Take is this, this off your hand? Yeah. So yeah, it's a cool collection. It's got a lot of, um, a lot of Zeppelin and, cool. and Crocus and nice. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Pink Floyd in there and Nugent and the Nuge. Yeah. It, there's some really cool stuff. I wish I could think of, uh, he had a buddy back in like the, probably in the seventies, maybe early eighties that worked at a record store and he would cop these like promo yeah. records. So there's like an Ozzy Osbourne promo in cool. there and, and stuff that's just like nobody else has. Probably it's, it's pretty rare, I would say. I don't know if it's rare in terms of like actual value, and I but, don't really care. Yeah, um, no. But yeah, it's it's neat stuff, you know, old uh, like like singles that that have a weird label on it that's just sort of like typewritten. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. Um. So, is in your you is there an album that you recall uh, that you first fell in love with or? One that you first bought that sort of started your own collection, or that I first bought and started. Are, are we talking about vinyl records? And anything. Yeah. The first, the first music that I purchased with my own money was Aerosmith's Big Ones. Okay. So it's a, a compilation, greatest yes. CD. I yes. Was, you know, probably seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Very young. Um, but that was that was sort of um, still me being under my parents' influence. The only music that existed to me at that time was what my parents listened right. to. And and that's now when I remembered telling you I had a sister. Yeah. Um, one of them left Nirvana's Nevermind yes. in my CD player when I was like eight. And that was my exposure to not... Uh, it, it definitely was commercial, but it, right. it was my exposure to rock and roll music that wasn't my parents' rock and roll yeah. music. And it, yeah. was, it was loud and kind of you know, to a, to a young me, it was dangerous and, and sexy. And it was like, fuck yeah, this is cool. Absolutely. And that sort of was a turning point in my life of when I like became a rock and roller, I guess. Cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, mentioned this before, but, uh, um, I know that there is much more to, and we'll get into that record, but I know there's much more to it than just the three hits. But to me, um, if you have like a, you know, a big fat hardbound book that's got like all the music in time, like written, you know, uh, you'd turn a page and like that, uh, intro to, to come as you are, it's like the beginning, it's like, uh, a new, clearly a new chapter. Yeah. This is not Bob Seger and, <laughs> you know, all it like this is and that's I mean, it's still sort of like got the umbilical cord. Att- I mean, it's kind of a traditional, but also like, whoa, uh, I've never heard anything like that before. And of course, by the time we're hearing Come As You Are, we've already heard uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, et cetera. But um, it, that I, there's something about that opening riff, which is just a 
couple or three notes. Super simple. Yeah, yeah that is just... It, a lot of it was. I mean, Kurt Cobain, it, there's there's all sorts of arguments between guitar players of whether he was a really great guitar player or a really <laughs> shitty guitar player, and I think it doesn't really matter. No. In the end, um, he, he wrote awesome riffs. That, yeah, he did. That were, I mean... The Smells Like Teen Spirit intro is four chords. And that, and then Dave Grohl. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. It's it's visceral. It's so well, real. And it doesn't matter if it's technically good. It's cool. Yeah. And then it goes, uh, it, there's a change in tone. And uh, when he hits that, that, that those, you know, the power chords, um, I, I had not heard that. I'd heard, you know, plenty of uh, hard rock, a uh, fair amount of metal, a little bit of punk. I'd never heard a tone like that before, and I was like, "But and we'll get to that." Uh, how about first show? First show, probably. I don't know. This is a toss up. in In the late '90s was when I started experiencing live music. Um, the one that comes to mind is one of my friend's dads took he and I to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Foo Fighters mm. at uh, what was then and, and will forever be Sandstone. Sandstone. And uh, that was incredible, man. I mean, it was the it was the Californication tour. Sure. So they had the Chili Peppers. It, or it was 1999. They yeah. were already massive, a very well established, yeah. huge band um, touring on what I think was probably their last really cool album. <laughs> They just uh, put one out though, right? Yeah, they've put and out, to they end put out a number. I, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the things that they've done since then. Okay. Um, and a lot of people will be like, Californication wasn't cool. I liked it. Listen, uh, it has been on two, if not three, people's lists. And the first time, I was like, "What, really?" And then I I was like, "God damn, this record slaps. It's got it's full of hits, yeah. but but they're really you know I don't know I." Uh, I, I think I misremembered um, what Californication was for what came just before it, where they had so clear blood, blood sugar, blood sex, sugar magic. sex magic. Magic was was incredible, mm -hmm. awesome stuff. And then I believe right after that was the one hot minute with um, Dave Navarro. Okay, from okay. Addiction, right, guitar. right. Because uh, had an aeroplane on it, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, very fascinating story. Um, who their guitarist's name is escaping me. John Frusciante. Gone mm -hmm. and then back. And then gone and then back and then gone. And but for Californication, again. I think he, he was playing. Yeah, he uh was maybe somewhat fresh out of rehab, probably, and dealing with a lot of anxiety and um just the, all the moving parts and pieces that go into writing a song, recording a song, you know, producing it, putting it, he had to sort of baby steps his way into just to find comfort, which I, th I mean, a lot of appreciation because, you know, he could have been like, nah, this is hard. I don't want to do this, but. Well, he was probably broke. Probably, but a good, rec <laughs> a good, a really good record came out of it, you know? Yeah, that's uh, great. I'll always be a Chili Peppers fan, um, whether or not. I continue to like the music that they put out. Right. It, it doesn't matter. They right. did awesome things. They did. And, and they're still, I mean, those dudes are like 65 years old now and, and they still fucking rock. Yeah, they do. Flea is a madman. He's, he's 
uh, quite a Twitter presence. I, I don't I don't tweet. No, no. That's funny. One of your uh, one of your artists has a song called "Drunk Tweets." Oh yeah, which I giggled about. But. I've I've never delved into that song to, as deep as I would like to. I I would like to believe that all those lines are what's the Twitter limit? A hundred and well, it was then. it was, was one hundred and sixty yeah. characters. Yeah, like uh, fuck you if I'm wrong. I don't want to be right. Yeah, I'll fuck you. I'll be drinking in the streets all night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, I think he's, uh, you know, he was who he was, 80s, 90s, and then, you know, uh, there was, so that's musically, but then there was also this, um, perce- like, kind of bad boy perception of him. Are uh, we talking about Fleet? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and then I think it's him and Anthony Kiedis both um, are in Point Break, right? The Surf movie? I'm I'm aware of what you're talking about. I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't tell you if they were both in it. I don't know. Okay, so uh Keanu goes out or or what's his name? Um God, Johnny Utah. He goes out surfing and and does some he causes some kind of uh he does something insulting or disrespectful in the water and then he's on the beach showering off and they all approach him and turn off his shower water. And he's like, oh, so this is where I get the speech about, you know, I violated etiquette wise. And and I think it's Kiedis. It's like, that would be a waste of time. We're just going to fuck you up. And they're all just <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm terrified watching on the screen, you know, but bad boy image flea, uh, obviously a, a world-class talent on the base. Um, but I think, now uh, in fact i think he's got a book out um but i think he's been sober for a while and he's got kids and he's so he's just uh here's this persona and now he he kind of just pipes in on on whatever's happening in the world on twitter and good for him yeah yeah um but uh sirens in the suburbs uh we talked about formation um let's see we've got rendition is that am i reading my own writing right 2021 probably demolition demolition sorry yeah 2021 eight tracks 24 ish minutes uh and then <laughs> that checks out and then hate seed a single from january of this year that's yeah stuff that's visible on your band camp correct yeah and there's um we recently more recently anyways uh released killer confessions okay uh, which is also there on our band camp and and spotify um so demolition, as the name sort of implies, was put together to be a demo. Um, okay. It you know you got to be somewhat creative. You can't just call it demo. <laughs> so um, we sort of wanted to just piece together these songs that we'd been working on and uh, put them together in a capacity that we could start trying to get gigs. No one will no one will let you play in their bar if you just call them and go, We're a band, I promise. We're awesome, man. We're totally, Why haven't you booked us yet? We totally kick ass. <laughs> so um Demolition was all recorded in John's basement. Um Dave is um everything that you hear from us is recorded in John's basement. We uh, I want to see this basement. Is it it's gone now. John oh. just moved. Oh bummer. Um, now we're recording in Charlie's basement. Okay. So uh And how do the two compare? Eh. Fine. About the same, they're, okay. ba- they're basements, sure. suburban basements, but I mean, three blocks apart. Is any <laughs> is anything uh, in place sound wise to you know 
soundproof or is it just as what you would expect basement wise? Um, we do a lot of things to, okay. you know, it's so when we started doing the recording process for this, um, none of us had any experience as, as engineers or recording, um, you know, I, we, I think we all probably had been in a studio, but none of us had ever made any like worthwhile recordings. I'd been in like DIY hardcore bands that would record to a four track cassette player and, and do that kind of thing. It was always shit. Um, so we, we knew that we wanted to have a polished sound that, that didn't sound like it was recorded in the basement, but, um, we started looking into studios and interviewing different places and we were finding rightfully that, that people charge a lot of money to use their studio. And so what we decided to do was to take the money that we had and instead of giving it all to a studio to record drum tracks for us, for instance, that we would, um, buy microphones and sort of fly by the seat of our pants and figure it out. So, uh, Dave has a MacBook, and he, uh, got pro tools on it if he didn't already have pro tools right and um we bought a bunch of microphones and and a couple of different you know accoutrements Mm -hmm. interfaces and stuff like that and um we started trying to figure out how to get good drum sounds which is that that's the that's the sticky part of it all you know the drums because of bleeding into other instruments mics well it's so it's not all recorded live okay um so you start with the drums and you, the drums go to a scratch track, you know, we'll, we'll, everyone will record it live and then the drummer puts that in his headphones and, uh, tracks it over, over a click track, plays his part along and then everything else is scrubbed except for that drum beat that's played to the click track. And you got to try to capture as much of the organic sound of the drums as you can and and still keep it like mixed well and so we were reading about like different techniques that um that were used like in the 70s to record john bonham i can't remember what the guy's name was that he developed this uh three three mic technique okay where there's i think four maybe like one or two or four you've got you got a kick drum mic Mm -hmm. two overhead and then one at the snare which i don't believe he used in the 70s but um, so we mic up these things and, and try it, to get it. His drum sa- always sounded amazing regardless. All the, all the parts, yeah, well, all the pieces of his kit. John Bonham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we mic up and we, and we get the, we get the drum track that we're all pleased with. And then you've got some manipulations that you can make. You can alter the, the kick drum sound a little okay. bit. And, and we tried to get that at a good basis. Um, For those that don't know, including me, uh, click track means... Like a metronome. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so then once you've got your drums, you you put a guitar over the top of it. And guitars are a lot easier to record. It's done at a lower volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you kind of cop tricks from old 70s stuff. Like um, I've seen pictures of Tom Petty in... What was that documentary that they made? Uh, that Dave Grohl bought that soundboard. It was... Uh, radio no music oh damn it whatever anyways (laughs) i saw pictures of tom petty in in this recording studio and he had his his amp 
all set up and then there was like a moving blanket draped over the cabinet with the microphone inside and so it like deadens interesting it prevents you know bleed in sure and and it gets a good clean guitar track uh and then we did both guitars and bass that way and uh i made a little vocal booth out of like pvc pipe and and moving blankets just sort of a it's very rudimentary i mean it's a, a square about three feet made out of pvc pipe that stands about seven feet high and you go in there by yourself yeah and i go in there with the microphone and the pop filter and I is that the scream at it. yeah a little thing. little thing that goes in yeah, between yeah. here to filter out all the yep sibilance mm-hmm. and yeah uh i don't remember what the terms are because that's a good one I'm, i wouldn't have even been able to conjure that one uh that's cool um wow uh so who uh you said we you know, started reading up on, is it really a collective effort or was one person kind of spearheading this? Uh, it's very much a collective effort. Dave is, Dave is most invested in it. Um, he's, he's the official engineer. Okay. He sets all the microphones. He handles the, the computer while we're recording. Um, so it's not just, you're not just the face and the voice because you have the microphone. He's like, I already got this other thing, man. You gotta, <laughs> right. Right. Every, it, well, you know, that's kind of how a collective works, right? Yeah, Everybody's yeah. got to carry the yeah. weight. And, uh, Dave definitely carries his weight in, in that aspect. Cool. He's, he's the recording engineer. Definitely. Um, will will listen to our input. If, you know, somebody comes and they're like, Hey, I saw this thing on the internet, or I saw a video of somebody doing this from back when let's give it a go. He'll, he'll try it out or incorporate it into what he's doing. And, um, you can definitely hear between demolition and for instance, um, hate seed or, uh, uh, that other song that we sing, <laughs> <laughs> hate seed and killer confessions. Yeah. Those two are later. And, and we, um, improved our, our capabilities as far as the equipment that we had and our knowledge and understanding of it. And you can hear a clear difference in, in the recordings. And so that's really encouraging, um, to, you know, see improvement. Right. And I, I give all credit to Dave. Nice. So this is, uh, fascinating to me because, you know, talking about getting this thing off the ground, like there was a room here, but it was not, it just had beadboard and, and, joists above were exposed so i had somebody come in um the the ask was for them to soundproof the room which didn't happen um but it, it, i had to move on it is what it is uh and then you know paint and decorate and 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 then buy all the stuff and then all the stuff's here and it's like i was what, what I was, do i do with it i was paralyzed i was like oh my because every time i was like okay now I have a window. I'm going to go down there. And then it, I'm, I'm pen, paper. I'm a visual learner. Uh, uh, I, I love, uh, you know, if you said tomorrow you can have your day job, I, I would be an author. Um, and when I edit, I only edit off of hard copy. I can't edit off the screen. Point to all of that is that trying to teach myself what to do on the internet, like, made me want to just ice pick myself to the skull because it's like one one article 17 links in it embedded videos and you get so many paces from home they're like i don't even know how did i get yeah where do i go and and man and And then the next article 
totally contradicts everything that was in the first one. Well, and everybody's got an angle, man. This information isn't out here just uh, for benevolence's sake. Like they want, we're getting a little kickback for people that follow this link or whatever the case may be. It's like, I just need the dummiest, you know, uh, anyway, uh, that stuff's fascinating to me. And uh, kudos up from my perspective, kudos for, to him for having the either the patience i'll to... accept those on his behalf okay <laughs> nice uh so uh so he just moved but do you, do you are you so now you're in somebody's new basement are you yeah regularly getting together to yeah we've been um i, I guess a little bit lax uh, so like i said john just sold his house in olathe and moved up north um closer to the airport and uh, I just started a new job in March. And with that, we kind of just chilled out a little bit. Okay. Um, we we still make our effort. We just don't get to be in the same room as like we used to practice every Sunday. And every Sunday at noon, we all got together. And now a lot of it's more digital. Uh, okay. We all have at least rudimentary home recording capabilities where we can put together a demo song idea or whatever and send it out to everybody and go, hey, what do you guys think about this? Do you have any, any Everybody meaning the four of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> we'll just share ideas around like that. Um, and uh, when, whenever we can get together, we, we do. Sure. So I think we're getting to a point now where we're going to start being more regular. Um, we played last week, last Thursday. And, where? And, it, it, oh, I'm sorry. We, we practiced. Okay. Okay. In Charlie's basement. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, we're going to do it again this Thursday. Nice. So that's, you know, two in a row is pretty good. We're all we're all busy, grown people with right. kids. And yeah, so um, I don't know. It, it seems like we're now kind of we're all settling into the things. John got all of his stuff moved and I've like figured out how to be a regular nine to five adult, which I haven't been for a few years. And um yeah, so we're gonna we're we're playing together more. Cool. Um, what about gigs? Right now, I don't know if we have anything I'm supposed to talk about, but I'm going That's to fair. talk about stuff. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> what's the worst that can happen, right? I mean, uh, October thirteenth. It's a Friday the thirteenth. Okay. We're going to be playing at the uh, Aztec Theater in shawnee okay it's a cool old theater. yeah um we're really it's a very cool little theater yeah so we're we're excited to try and uh i think our i think our ambition we haven't totally kicked it around we we just booked the thing recently but um i think our ambition is to try and shoot some promo video or maybe make a music video uh because of the the ambiance of the place like it's got the classic uh marquee mm -hmm. and um yeah we're we're we've got that going on um we have a date at skate bar in saint joe that okay i can't that's fine think of right now i'm sure i could find it there's that thing about my phone in the past right um fyi they were here yesterday skate bar oh uh uh danny uh or brandon, brandon and, jesse. and jesse yeah Brandon and Jesse are really rad people. Yep. Um, I, I absolutely love what they're doing up there. It's it's so cool that, you know, it, it harkens back to, like, the glory days of skateboarding, right? Like, the skate shop was a place for everybody to hang out and gather, yep. and they, they have that. 
And um, anytime we've played up there, the crowd's been great. Like the space is fun. It's, I, I don't know, man. They've, they've got a thing going on there and um, I'm really glad to be part of it anytime that we can. We've played up there. I think we've played three times. Okay. We played with Iron Guts Kelly not too long ago. Um, we've played there. Yeah. Yeah. That was our third show there. So, so I know uh, one person from St. Joe. And so when they got here, I asked and turns out her sister's best friend. No, the guy I know's sister is like best friends with her sister. There's only 64 people right. in St. Joe. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was like, oh, that's cool, man. I, like he, I used to live above him. We Sometimes we would party. Uh, and then after they were gone, I, I hit him up and he was like, they're doing rad things with that venue. I mean, so that's really the, yeah. com- the uh, common vibe uh, uh, that I'm hearing uh, about that spot. It's awesome, man. Um so we're if, playing September 30th. Okay. Okay. The week, so that's the week before the other gig. No, that's October 13th. Oh, two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. I can hear my phone. Yeah. Being, it's, it's weird. because of this. There you go. Get right there's good. That, yeah. Um, okay. So if you're uh, the face and Dave is the engineer, is, is somebody have booking on their plate or no, that's me? Okay. <laughs> nice. I'm that too. Okay. Uh, and is that, uh, relatively seamless? Does it give you stress? I mean, Oh, it gives me shit tons of stress, okay. stress all the time. Great. It's a huge hassle. Um, I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but I could. Right. <laughs> um, that dude, it's, I, <sighs> I can only imagine. I, ha- I have to, I have to choose my words carefully because there's this. This feeling, right, in this kind of intimate situation where it's just you and me talking and, and I could be like, these fuckers. Uh, but I can't do that. I know you're broadcasting this to people and someone will eventually hear it that right. might take offense. But um, it also might take a couple of years because I, I got small view counts. So that's you know. OK. <laughs> um, so I'm very, I'm very protective or defensive of the music scene. You know, I, I grew up going to shows and I, I grew up. Uh, came of age hanging out at music venues and and watching bands and i feel like in recent years the shows are getting smaller less people are interested in going out we can stay at home and watch our phones even pre-covid even pre-covid yeah um i I, you know i've i maybe maybe it's me being old and and cynical but i feel like less people are interested in live music and I feel like as people running venues, booking shows, um, that's that's got to be acknowledged and it's got to be defended and it's and it's got to be. You have to take this shit really seriously, you know. If you're the if you're the booker of of any any venue, you have to take it really seriously as as your job and and your role in the scene. And I feel like a lot of people. Um, are content to not answer their phone and book the same act that they had last weekend. Um, you know, like Fuck I said, that. I can call people out. Yeah, by no, no, name no. We I'm don't not need going really? to. But when you see <coughs> when you see the same person playing at the same venue three weekends in a single month, God, it's I feel like, like I'm seeing stuff. It it happens, man. It's it's easy when you you work in sales. So think of it through the lens of you as a salesman. It's easier for you to call on the restaurants you already work with, the the customers you already have, the people that you know, 
and you just go, yeah, cool. It's hard for you to call on people you've never spoken to before. It's hard to seek out new new stuff. We all we have there's a lot of taglines that go along with what I do and the one it all starts with getting out of the car, knocking on the door, etc. Yeah. And the the metric for us is like uh you will maintain what you have, but also that's not too terribly important. Go out grow. and get new. You gotta grow. Um, and I will say that is that is the the one thing that I feel like skate bar does better than anybody ever. Um, the way that we came to play there in the first place was that Danny Phillips reached out to us and was like, "Hey, we're we're doing this thing up here," and I was like, "I've been seeing some Facebook posts about it. Yeah, we'll come play." Yeah. And Danny's fucking rad, dude. He's he's so good at what he does, and he's so invested in the scene like he he wants new interesting shit cool. coming through there all the time and he's he's really good at it and he cares about it and it shows well having never been i was trying to get you know have help them uh, have them draw a picture for me of what things look like and re- the responsibility share and he's like it's just the two of us and then we have uh, this other person and this other person that do you know job x and job y but they're so they're not like employee, but it's very uh, they're part of our family and they they use that term a lot. And then they also said more than once, you know, this is what we do. We like uh, wake, sleep, live, breathe. The, everything we do is and I was like those two things together. That's a really cool marriage right there. And that you don't not just the music. You don't see a lot of that anywhere anymore. And it I feel like. As somebody who <clears throat> has always been, uh, you know, going to shows and, and you know, uh, in my later years, I, uh, I started going to a lot of comedy shows as well. And if I've seen, let's say, 20 shows, 20 stand-up and music shows combined in the last 18, 24 months, like huge majority of them, I, I'm going solo because... Uh, there used to be this time where it felt simpler to reach out to, uh, I don't know, three, five, six people, whatever. And Hey, let's do this. And then you get, you know, all the tickets and everybody comes. And now it's like really hard, man, to even like find one person that will, respond to your text or pick up your phone, not bail. You know, if you're expecting them to, you know, pay you back for their, t- it's a whole, so f- you know what, fuck yeah. it, I'm going to, I'm going to Uber and I'm going to go solo and I'm going to Uber home and have, have a blast and, uh, maybe you'll run into somebody, you know, maybe you'll meet somebody new. Remember a lot of times both happen. <laughs> Remember when you used to meet people when you were out yeah. and like you yeah. just, it just, I don't know, man, it, it, um, I, I think it's our phones. I think it, that our phones have, have fucked off our lives in so many ways yeah. that like this technology had the, the the capability and the potential to be enriching in every way. Like you, you can connect to anybody that you want at any time you want. And everybody's really burned out on it. And like, I hate my phone so fucking much. I I can't stand to even have it. Like it's not allowed to make sounds. I don't want it around me. I, I just, and I think I think that everybody kind of feels that way and, and it sucks. Well, I realized that I, I mean, I'm, um, the last person you should speak to about betterment in that area 
because I've recently uh, discovered that there there was a time because you know uh, for a good while I had cell phone and like primarily I'm just texting and calling and maybe I've got cool ringtones or ring back tones or whatever but <laughs> but all of my internet stuff is done on a different device yeah and then by the time I have the device that has it all you know it's oh wow man everything everything and now it's like I literally find myself picking up my phone and I'm mindlessly going to open something and then it's just like what the fuck are you doing what what are you doing you don't need to put it yeah. just put it back yeah put it back you know uh going place it to the bathroom to wherever it's like you know it's become the wallet phone, you phone know? keys wallet knife sunglasses <laughs> i gotta have it when i leave the house yeah like those that's my that's my five well um that's uh frustrating that that has somewhat been your experience and that those are your feelings regarding the music scene but uh kudos for to for you to you for persevering anyway i don't have a choice none of us do right right i don't do this because i because people are going to come watch or because (laughs) like it's just it's who it's who we are and it's what we all do you know not just not just we being sirens in the suburbs but everybody that's involved in the music scene none of us are we're we're not we're not anybody but for a minute you get to be a rock star yeah like you've you just have this thing that you've got to do and it, it just it that's that's what it is yeah and i wish that more people would be engaged in in what's happening and and be more um appreciative of of the arts in general but it doesn't matter we're not going to stop yeah i mean it as you started to tell tell that piece um immediately where i go is uh, the way that socials and algorithms and advertising and sponsored the way that that looks right now versus uh, I can't remember the day of the week, but I used to love so much when I think it was Thursdays when the pitch would come out and I go to pitch was, is, is awesome. Yeah. Go get the new pitch and oh, you know, just all these shows, mostly in Lawrence, you know, sometimes there was some stuff happening in KC, but it's like that with, uh, you know, uh, a stickered bathroom wall, uh, you know, with like whether it's skate paraphernalia or a band sticker or whatever, um, and flyer, you know, telephone full pole flyers and bulletin board. And it was like, was it working better back when we had flyers and stickers and, and, and newspapers? I think everybody's bombarded with stuff everything is a facebook event now like i could open my my facebook right now and and scroll through 20 things that i could be doing right now and it's like oh god i'm so overwhelmed and i can't do all of these things so i'm not going to do any of them i know um so like i said a couple years now with uh, the the idea of this and the growing process and then actually starting it and all the way back to the before the beginning of i'm going to do a pod before that even I've like been part of my brain has had a compartment titled what, what, what do we do with Facebook anymore? Cause it was really fucking awesome in 08 and 09 when we were just like finding people that we hadn't <laughs> seen in forever. They have fucking kids and well, somebody married that piece. Holy shit. Uh, and now, uh, so when I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a Twitter an Instagram and a TikTok. And like there was zero deliberation about that because 
I didn't know, I don't, didn't and don't know what to do with Facebook. Yet I still fucking open it like eight, nine, ten times a day. And I I'm, think everybody does. And yeah, it's it's definitely it. It's weird because yeah, everybody everybody has that same feeling like oh my god, I look at this thing all the time, but it seems like the prevailing attitude is what a cesspool. Didn't didn't like South Park make an episode? Probably, about it? probably. I, you know, it's really easy to rip on it, but at the same time. It's it's uh, indelibly mm-hmm. become part of our lives I know. that I think we have to deal with in some way. So I definitely saw a Twitter, an Instagram, and, and I think a Facebook for Sirens in the Suburbs, but yeah. not not a not a whole lot of uh, consistency post wise. Like three. Say week, that again. N- not a whole lot of <laughs> consistency. Po- I what I don't and that doesn't you know. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's like, uh, I think it's good that you have the platforms and that there's stuff going in there, but you're not like, you know, I got to post three times a week or twice a day or whatever. It's just kind of whenever. Yeah. Um, is that, I mean, it goes did I back just to what you said? Yeah, no, you totally, step on you totally poke toes. the bear. I'm the bear. Oh, that's uh, you too? No, oh. no, it's not. And that's the thing. That's, that's why it's, that's why you're poking the bear because I view all of these things as a marketing tool all of it and and i view our band as an entity that that needs marketing right like our whole objective in playing a live show is to perform for an audience don't leave here and start a fight with somebody if that's on their plate (laughs) please well so it, it started where i was like i i don't know never mind i'm not going to give you the whole rundown okay. of it but the point is that i always have felt like um that stuff is important in as much as it's where people are. You know, we can't right. put an ad in the newspaper anymore. Um, you, you, you have to play within the structure that exists. And the structure that exists right now is, is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Spotify, which people complain about. It doesn't pay artists, blah, blah, blah. Spotify is a social media platform. Um, and you have to... You have to use those things as tools, and and the only way that you can beat the Facebook alg- algorithm and get your content in front of people who may or may not like it is to post regularly. And uh, even if it's you know, even if you post twice a week and you say, "Here's the shows we got coming up," or you know, ideally you would be putting out some kind of juicy content on a regular basis that people really go nuts for, but. Even if you don't have that and you can just engage people in some way, you have to do it. And everyone in the band hasn't always necessarily agreed with me on um, that being the tool that it is. And um, so, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I would view as the reason for sporadic posting is that it kind of gets kicked around throughout all of us. You know, someone for a couple weeks will be like, all right, fuck it. I'm. I guess I'm the social media manager, and <laughs> and like we'll make posts, and then that's so everybody has out. access. Oh yeah, we've okay. all got we've all got okay. administrator credentials on all the, the things. I mean, like, I I probably I'm the only one that has access to our Twitter, which is funny because I already told you that I don't. I've I don't know if I've ever. To, I use our Twitter to like tweet at Riot Fest and. Okay. Um, you could go look at it right now. There's probably four tweets, and three of them are are me being like, 
hey Riot Fest, can we play on the fucking, <laughs> we play on the fucking Rebel stage at nice. two o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday or what? Right. Um, I don't I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot more going on Twitter than than I really understand. It's never been my jam. I, no, I, I know. It's it's a very weird place since Elon took over. That is for sure. Uh, and you know, a very weird place is not. I'm not really qualified to say that um, because pe- there are people that spend way more time and give more energy to uh, Twitter or to their handle <clears throat> than I do to mine. Um, and they say that. And so I, I'm like, I, I kind of feel it. I'm not on the level that you are, but you know, anyway, um, yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, it's like, here are these things. Do you want to use them or do you want nobody to know about you? Right. And then it's like, okay, okay. And then there are parts of it that you don't like, you know, or, uh, there's the, nothing less punk rock than Facebook. <laughs> I, it, it, it just, you know, it, it's that's a tombstone quote right there. I mean, it, it's fundamentally against everything that that we would hold as as any type of core values if we were to discuss such a thing. But at the same time, like, you know, the the outlets like like the pitch, it, the pitch still exists and still does the thing. But I can't imagine that they have the readership and the that that fervor of like oh the new pitch is out i'm going to go grab it um it, and so like i said you got to meet people where they are and that's where they are so if where they are sucks that's not for me to decide i just right. have to do what i have yeah. to do and and don't hate the player hate the game or yeah, something like and, that yeah and i i fucking hate the game <laughs> it's it's bad yeah. man it's really bad but i sure do love to have people come and watch us play and so if that means that we maintain a facebook presence then that's what we got to do right and just for the record i think twitter's probably the most punk rock of all the places the social media places all uh, right but whatever uh, it doesn't doesn't mean you're gonna have get more eyeballs or more ears or whatever but uh, anyway uh no you can't uh just plop porn all the time in your Instagram or your Facebook or your TikTok or they'll take it away from you. Twitter's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Go for show, it. Show me those titties. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. Yeah, I guess that is, uh, you know, there's something punk rock yeah. about, about Wild West yeah. type. Uh, and I approach. didn't discover that till uh, here in the last, I don't know, eight, nine, ten months. There's porn on Twitter, huh? Uh, tons. Huh. And it's like the, uh, the scene that I always uh, draw a parallel to is... Uh, Shawshank, mm-hmm. when Red gets out and he goes to the cornfield in Buxton to find the box, find that the he, box that you... and he opens it and he's leaning against that wall and he sees this envelope full of money and he, he looks around <laughs> like the first time that uh, I don't even know what it was, but uh, yeah, go here and uh, oh okay, and I went there and uh, it was just a little clip of porn. And I was like, oh, shit, can you do that? Like, and <laughs> yes, you can. Seems like a really <clears throat> weird venue for porn. Like, yeah. I, you know, if if I were to seek out something like that, I, I wouldn't be doing so through the same medium where, like, I got to scroll past, uh, you know. Politics and what sports. What my high school and, yeah. drama teacher has to say and and then what Donald Trump is tweeting out today. And then, oh, here we go. There's, yeah, there's there the porn go. I was there after. I, I found think, it. I think the poll. It, first of all, you're you can you can do it, but I think the poll is just like a lot of people's uh, Instagram and TikToks right now. What they want is for you to 
ultimately lined up line, wind up on their OnlyFans or their or their site where you then log in and maybe get, that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to start a band OnlyFans. I mean, yeah. Um, so uh, origin story for the name Sirens in the Suburbs. Don't know. Okay. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we Who went, came up we with went it? Through, I don't know. Oh. I think Charlie did. Okay. Uh, we went through a few different possibilities, you know, it was kicked around stuff. Um, I couldn't tell you any of the previous What does it mean to you? Doesn't mean much of anything no? to me, I guess. I mean, it, it's got... Um, yeah, no, I try to think about it as more like um, police sirens than like the, the singing mermaid type oh 100 percent, uh, yeah and you know it, it, it i don't i'm not gonna even act like there's some kind of deep meaning there or whatever you know it's sort of um what appeals to me about that name as as a name is is yeah the sort of uh anti-establishment connotations and that's pretty much it uh you you got to have a name as a band yep. i think it's a pretty catchy one it is and it I, as far as I can remember, it almost immediately came with the logo, and that's why I think it was Charlie. Charlie does all of our graphic design work. Okay. Um, so I think that he was like, here's this, and everybody was like, that's, that works. that's pretty fucking cool, man. Nice. I, I, I dig the name. I yeah. dig the graphic that it comes with. Let, let's roll with it. To me, it says, uh, is it really a problem? <laughs> Whatever first responder is going to your suburban dwelling... It, with a siren is it is it really a problem because we have real problems happening over here with that we could use those resources but uh that's a good take i like that. i mean maybe i'll start telling people that that's what it means yeah <laughs> i always thought of it more like some shit's going down in the suburbs like we've we've set somebody's mini mansion on fire it, or... it probably it's always almost always tied to underage drinking you know yeah that's that's the crux of the uh, or playing loud music in the basement right um, right it, we've never had the cops come we've had some neighbors text us uh john's neighbor one time told us she had a migraine and asked if we could turn it down uh, we did we didn't do it Mm-mm. so not not sorry, John's neighbor. Hope nobody had plans on hooking up with her. <laughs> yeah. And and actually our first experience playing out at all outside of the basement was actually in John's driveway uh in twenty twenty. So it's you know, we're deep into COVID mm-hmm. um in October. Seven months into COVID mm-hmm. and, and everybody's stir crazy. And Halloween was like it felt like to me like this window where everybody was like, look, we can do that. It's, it's outdoors. It's, it's pretty it was well first. distance. Like, and yeah, we had missed, uh, well, no, I don't know. But anyways, um, we decided to play in John's driveway and, um, we put together a set. We didn't have, we didn't have a full set list of, of original music yet. I don't know if we had any original music yet, maybe a couple of few songs that we were kicking around or whatever. Um, so we just put together this list of spooky songs slash, uh, I mean, like we did, we did like a, a, oh shit, what's it called? The monster match. Oh yeah. Yeah. That in the, in the misfits style. Um, we did bad moon rising. We did, um, dig up her bones by the misfits, um, 
think we did Let's Lynch the Landlord, which I thought was really funny because <laughs> it's just, it's, there were definitely landlords watching. Right. Um, but anyways, we we just set up all our shit out in John's driveway. and um, What time? It was pretty early, you know, right about sunset. So okay. like all the kids were coming around sure. and, and we kept it. Modern. No, it was loud as fuck, but <laughs> but it was it was like PG PG thirteen. Okay, um, okay, and it it was awesome, man. All the neighborhood kids were stopping, and they were like, "There's a rock and roll band playing here." And then after that, like every year, people in the neighborhood are like, "Hey, are you guys going to be playing on Halloween again? Can we get really? A, can we get another driveway Halloween show? Really? Yeah. And um, no." We haven't done it. We haven't done it again. I I went in twenty twenty one and twenty two, right? This is twenty twenty three. Life's fucking so weird. I'm in twenty one and twenty two. I went to uh, the fest in Gainesville, Florida. The fest. The fest. Okay. It's it's cool as shit. It's a really fun festival. Um, it just sort of is a collection of venues. Uh, I don't really know how to compare it, but there's like. There's one central big stage. It's the uh, Bo Diddley Plaza in, in downtown Gainesville. Cool. And it's an outdoor amphitheater, I don't know, capacity for a few thousand. It's it's okay. big. And then surrounding that, there are all of the venues in Gainesville, which there are a shitload. Gainesville's like a Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And um, all the venues have shows all day. And so they release this lineup of, you know, 200 bands that play in in three days and it's just constant you know it's wow first thing in the morning until until later than you ever want to hang out right um shows that you can you couldn't possibly see them all right all, it's everywhere and it's all over the town and it's just fun as fuck man it's really really cool nice and so i went and did that in 21 and 22 um this year i agreed to not go so that we could play an October show and we were going to do this Aztec theater thing oh, closer to Halloween. Okay. We were able to get Friday the 13th. So nice. That's the next best thing. And we're going to do that. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this year we'll do a Halloween show. If somebody hears this and they want to offer up their suburban driveway, we might do that. Maybe we'll play. I don't know. Charlie's always on the bad side of the homeowners association. I don't know if we should play in his driveway. They're always pissed off that he's got a trailer parked out in the street or something. I don't know. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, regardless of whether you play in uh, his driveway or uh, at the Aztec or wherever it may be, uh, you've got a handful of months to figure out what your ACDC song is going to be, and I expect it to be in that set list. (laughs) All right. I'm kidding. Fair enough. Um, So uh, thanks for being here. Um, I appreciate all of the correspondence and uh, you showing up and giving me a list. And um, I uh, found your list to be interesting on so many levels. Um, And what a great place it starts with if we go chronologically by release. And uh, London Calling, Clash, 1979. Um, one of the, um, in the, in the near the end of the heyday of double albums, there was a Mm -hmm. big window where like, that was the thing in the set, you know, sixties, seventies. Um, and, um, that one, uh, if you just look at double out, I mean, not many like it. In fact, uh, the only one that off the top of my head that could maybe be a cousin or something in the double album, um, 
window would be uh, Double Nickels on the Dime, Minutemen. Are you familiar? Yeah. Uh, sort of a similar number of tracks and uh, an average uh, track runtime. Pretty short, poppy, you know, get out and, and this is the thing and da da da. And, um, but uh, how did the clash wind up uh, in your lap? I have no idea. Okay. There's no real origin story there. I've just, I love that record. I love the clash. Um, it, it, they are, oh, look, we got a track list. Oh, so the clash is, is, quintessentially a punk rock band right for some reason but none of the music is punk rock you know it's would you say that that is true for their whole discography i would say that a lot of it veers very far away from punk rock like sandinista Mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of there's a lot of really weird shit going on there it's like world music it's but at the same time they were definitively punk rockers joe strummer was a punk you know he's singing about about equality and singing about, you know, social issues and, and has this kind of cynical, irritated approach to it all where he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And that's punk rock. Um, but you know, you look down this track list, it's not what you would call a punk album. The song Jimmy jazz, right. Maybe my favorite on the album. (laughs) I I love the, the little do do. Do, 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 do. it's it's fun to me and it's it's not a hardcore song it's not a fast punk rock song it's not even about anything really it's just a kind of a silly song i think and um you got like lost in the supermarket is that a punk rock song i, I don't know i mean <laughs> the, so here's uh, and this is all just sort of coming to me now they're obviously uh, if they're not living in the birthplace of punk, they're 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 living nearby. Um, and not to say that punk had to be uh, British, because there are obviously other places where it was being born. But I will argue to the death that punk is American. Okay, but... <laughs> okay. Um, you know, but but there was a lot of let's say this: there was a ton of music coming out of the UK in the sixties and yeah, the seventies yeah. that all sort of, you know, sprouted and uh, became a genre or, or a, a, a relative of a genre. And so they're there and they're sort of doing some quasi anti things either on an intellectual level or an emotional level, but the, you know, and, and then, you know, you've got, uh, the, I think the second track has like a sort of spy, riff to it and baby drove up in a brand new yeah and then uh you know uh they're given nods it feel like the rudy what's the rudy track Rudy can't fail that little ska nod oh um, yeah you know huge influence there which is a thing that um a lot of what they did for me in this record uh people weren't doing elsewhere which by definition is kind of punk most definitely um so, but you um, are familiar with most, do you dig the rest of their stuff or how, what makes yeah, this one special? Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know what makes it special. I love every song on the album. There, There's not any that I would skip. Right. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I like a lot of other Clash. Um, Give Them Enough Rope is one of my favorite albums. 
right up there with London Calling. Um, Black Market Clash was good stuff. Sandinista was a little bit out there for me, but you know, who the hell am I to say what Joe <laughs> right. Strummer should be doing? Right. Um, yeah. Well, it's a great one. Uh, they're third of six, 19 tracks, 65 minutes. And uh, from there, 1979, big leap forward to uh, your sister. Now we've missed, we've missed something if we're discussing these in, in release date. I've got... Because Static Age had to be, uh, I, I don't know the year, but I would say it was right around 79 as well. You know what? I think I screwed up. That's okay. It might have well, been. Oh, early. okay. No, no, no. Uh, recorded in 78, not released till 96. That's interesting. Yeah. Right? Because that's 10 years after the last time they had all played on stage together, like as as the original Misfits. Okay. You know, um, okay. Glenn and, and Jerry. And, right. And uh, Doyle. Um, uh, I think their last show was in 85. Yeah. Until. 2016 well i think there was uh there were too many reasons uh for me to delve into to get the full story as to why it went down the way it did but they were they're all huge assholes well uh they they don't fucking like each other right um but it's funny that you say that and funny that that ended up being the way that it went down because um uh caress Last Caress. Last Caress. Uh-huh. Like, if this record came out in 96, I know that I heard that song dozens of times in high school, and I graduated in 93. So when I, when I you know, I'm listening to the record and Caress comes on, I'm like, I fucking know this song. And then I'm like, wait it a minute. It was originally released on, um, like, I, man, I'm... I'm maybe three hits from hell or okay, okay. all all of the static age stuff i think was was prior releases all so. right well let's just pretend that 91 and then 96 all right so deal ner- so ner- here we are yes. at, at nirvana's never at, mind where is this uh first of all which sister and what is this the cd player in your room where you I guys i think it was i think it was probably nancy um and yeah, yeah, it was my, you know, it was the 90s. So, I had a I had a boombox mm-hmm. that um and I had a CD collection that, that as we discussed existed or, or consisted of things I had had sort of gleaned from my parents' musical taste right. and and <clears throat> maybe it was my own taste, but I my my scope was only so wide, right. you know. When you're when you're 8 all you get is what your parents listen to right. or what's on the radio station that your parents listen mm-hmm. to. And you might hear something and be like, well, that's fucking cool. I like that, mm-hmm. but it's still your parents music. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Somebody left that in my CD player and I opened it and like, it's got this really interesting uh, print to the disc with the watery mm. finish. And, and I'm like, Nirvana, what, <laughs> what, is, what is this thing? And, and I played it and I was like, Fuck yeah, man! That's these are crunchy guitars and like, it just it had an attitude and a and a fucking kind of energy and urgency that I had never heard before in any kind of music. Right. Because as awesome as you know the the Led Zeppelins and Pink Floyds of the world are, that that attitude wasn't there. No. And and so to hear that, you know, it it was it was 
fucking it was life changing. You would get snippets like you get. Uh, I remember the first time I learned that Immigrant Song was Zeppelin. I was like, what? Yeah. Holy they, shit! They you did, know they did different things. They crossed a lot of a lot of borders and and did a lot of. Um, and they're awesome. I love Led Zeppelin, right? But it, it wasn't it wasn't like what you know Nirvana and and everybody out of Seattle in the '90s was doing. And and it just I don't know. They they caught lightning in a bottle. And honestly, Nevermind's not even my favorite Nirvana okay, I, album. I'm glad it's, you said that. It's just the one that. Uh, it, it made my list because of the time and yeah. place and and um yeah i don't know if what I are your other choices bleach and in bleach utero is, bleach is definitely my Kay. favorite i i love the fucking it it sounds shitty like like probably they recorded it in the basement or the living room and and kurt's vocals are really like screamy broken up i don't know they they did a lot of really fun shit on there that yeah um, yeah, it's it's hard to uh, uh, it's like, a you know, not that I do this or have ever really done it. But, you know, a big thing these days for people in, in, in the fitness realm of their life is the um, ice bath, the ice, uh-huh. you know, cold plunge. Sure. The Wim Hof method. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, like the thought of doing that absolutely terrifies me. Um, I know that I could get in there and like, whatever, 30 seconds, 60, whatever it's supposed to be. I know I could get in there and find a way to steal myself to make it for the time, but it's until I do it, it's, it's hard to imagine that being a possibility. And that's how I feel about bleach for me. It's like, I can't ever get comfortable in my chair to sit here <laughs> and take this in. Cause it's all just like is that, am I sitting on something? You know what I mean? Like, oh, did I throw out my. Ba- I don't know. Like, I know people love it, um, but it is, it is an animal that you don't come across. It's intense often, um, and you know, uh, wild. What Nevermind was and meant when it came out, and then looking back, if you're if you're sort of just given the three studio records, it's like. Is this? I mean, I, I I can see why it was the most accessible um, to the broadest number of folks, but yeah. it is is it their best work? You know, it's uh, an interesting no question way. to pose. I think, but it's it's cool. It's yeah, good and it's um, yeah, like I said, it's it's largely the the time and place for me uh, as much as anything. But the music is good. I mean, there's a reason that it struck me. I wouldn't that time and place wouldn't be anything to me if the music sucked ass. Right. I don't remember the first time I heard fucking Barry Manilow. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Um, Name is escaping me now, but uh, that kid... Oh, yeah, I don't know what his name is. No, I have it written down somewhere in here. Uh, But he... What an asshole. Just, why? We're talking about this baby? Yeah. Well, because he's trying to cash in on it that, now, and he's like, "Oh, you guys are that was child pornography." Yes. And it's like, dude, if you have a beef with anybody, it's with your parents, right. not fucking Dave Grohl. Um, you know, so just here in the last handful of mo- like, you know, maybe in the last twelve months, um, his whatever number of appeals denied again. Um, Good, <clears throat> and it's like. 
I get it. I get it. Like, you know, he probably doesn't think that this child pornography, but that's what you do is you, uh, some, hey, that, that's mine. I'm going to sue and get a pile of money, blah, blah, blah. And so I reading all this stuff and re- remembering the image and, and looking at the, and all, this, and I, all I can really take away from this is what savage of a pool owner was not afraid of that kid taking a shit in the pool. <laughs> or like drowning. Right. Or like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, it's hard to say. Like, clearly there was enough water that there was somebody under the right, water. And, right. So it's not like a kiddie pool in the backyard. No, no. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like that guy has probably gotten laid and accepted millions of beers purchased for him on the, on the merit of I'm the fucking nevermind yeah. baby. That was me in the pool. Like, aren't I awesome? And now he's like, I'm scarred and damaged mm-hmm. from it. Okay. Fuck off, yeah. man. Yeah. You're, you're scarred and damaged because <clears throat> Dave Grohl's worth $200 million or whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So 91 to 96 static age, the misfits, uh, third of seven for them. 45 minutes. All right. 17 tracks recorded in 78 <laughs> out in 96. What, an animal of an opening track. Uh, I have never sat down and listened to the Mis- Misfits prior to this. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I was like, wow. Uh, and, you know, um, I don't think, I mean, obviously, as you move through the record, uh, you get different vibes and different tones and different topics and so forth. But I don't think they really ever fall off from like, the way that that track they kicked. never they never did ever from you know that's the misfits okay and that's what i love about the misfits like it's it's fucking fast and loud and aggressive and it's offensive and it's it's insightful in a lot of ways that you can easily overlook um another kind of time and place thing for me in this album uh, i used to have this 1989 mercedes 300e um, I was probably, I don't know, 20 ish. And, uh, the car didn't have a radio in it. It just, there was, somebody had fucking ripped it out Damn. and it was just a hole in the dash. And then, again, I, I had can't a little, imagine owning a car with no tunes. I had a little boom box that rode okay. around in the passenger seat, like a $20 fucking Walmart thing. And I had this CD and I remember playing that just, just spinning the hell out of it. Cause this was slightly post everybody has a CD book. You know, I had gotten rid of my CDs, but then I'm like, fuck, what do I do? I can't hook my iPod to this non-stereo. There's right. nothing there. Right. So, um, yeah, this was one of them that I that I spun the shit out of. And um, there's a lot of awesome stuff on here. I mean, there's, there's Danzig's whole evil Elvis uh, voice on full display, like... One last chorus. Yeah, he's got. Uh, it was that. Is that staccato? Is that bravado? What is that? Where you... I'm not a real musician. <laughs> Nonsense. Um, uh, but y- you know. Uh, so if I if I put all my cards on the table, um, punk and uh, most metal, not my bag. That's um, okay. And but but this. I can get into this because I appreciate what they're doing. I appreciate the vibe. I appreciate the musicianship and the voice is not off putting. I like his voice a lot. Danzig's got a great voice. Yeah. And 
like I said, he's a lot more insightful as a as a lyricist than you might originally or or right off the cuff give him credit for. Songs like um God, what have you got? I'm looking for something specifically <laughs> on this album. Uh, I mean, Bullet obviously is just a really fucking raunchy song about Kennedy getting assassinated and that's that's got its own political statement. But um um Oh, good God. How's it? So the original, the first line of the song is I got something to say. I raped your mother. Yeah. I got something to say. I killed a baby today. And it's this like, it's fucking shocking. You hear somebody say that and you're like, holy shit. But when you think of it in the context of like late seventies, he's singing about the Vietnam war. And suddenly it's like, wow, you're, you're saying something. You're, you're being incredibly vulgar and, and really offensive and I like that part of it too, but also you got you're 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 saying something. You got a message like this is fucked up, and uh, you know it's it's just brutalism for sake of brutalism. And what the fuck? And so you know you could say how could you write such a graphic and disgusting song? And he could turn right back and say how could you do such a fucking graphic and disgusting well, thing? Well, and like, then then I think we're again cracking the shell on punk rock like. Uh, for however long in you know modern society there's whatever the however long the list of is of things that we don't talk about right yeah and it's no 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 we're, we're gonna, gonna drag talk it about, out in the yeah. fucking living room floor let's talk about drug addiction it's, and how fucked up yeah. war is yeah let's, it's let's do pussy that. and bleeding and i'm gonna leave it on your rug <laughs> yeah you know? um so five minute uh, one five minute track everything else is two and a half or under uh-huh um and uh, so solo, da- uh, other misfit stuff and solo Danzig stuff. Are you into all of it, or I could take or leave solo Danzig? And, okay, and I can never remember how you pronounce that word. It's not Samhain. It's I don't know. The witches in the audience will correct me. <laughs> um, yeah, I could take or leave it. I mean, Mother was irrefutably awesome, right? Again, because he's got that voice, mm-hmm. Mother. It's it's cool. Tell it's your good. children not to not to walk my way. That's right. That's right. Tell your children not to hear my words. What they mean. What they say. Mother. Yeah. It's rad. It's fucking. You know. It's dirty. Like. But um. Yeah. As far as as far as Danzig as an individual goes. Um. Now I'm not I'm not a huge fan of his solo music, but yeah, I love everything by the Misfits. Cool. All, all of it. I great. was uh um. <clears throat> off a, a peg in that going before I sat down, I was like, Ooh, I'm listening to a Mis- misfits record. And in my mind, I'm thinking that's, that's Henry Rollins's outfit. And then I like, that's black flag. I know. Well, well, but point being like when Henry I, Rollins was black flags outfit, right? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> no, but so I, uh, you know, I'm doing what we do in the world of, uh, trying to teach yourself how to record or produce or engineer or, trying to actually read something on one of the platforms without just scrolling and really not walking away from it informed at all. But that's what I was doing. I'm, I'm scanning, looking for his name and I'm like, what the, what? And I was like, Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's Glenn Danzig, not Henry. Mm. That's cool. That's still cool. I'm still excited to check it out because for the longest time, uh, Henry Rollins, uh, I, I feel like was pedestaled by a lot of folks. 
Henry Rollins is a god still. Okay. That guy is one of the coolest fucking people to ever walk the face of the earth. Now, in very recent years, haven't there been a couple people that want to say whatever, like he he did fill in the blank wrong, or he said, has there been something? Where... I can't think of anything that, okay. that Henry Rollins has ever, like, he's a, he's a really um, conscientious kind of person right. from everything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he was he was fucking insane in the in the eighties. He's in Black Flag. Yeah. And, you know, was, but even then, like he never drank. He didn't take drugs. He just um, he might get into a fist fight sure. or fucking just be. He was he was he was wild. Yeah. But um, he's always been he's always been pretty morally straight, I think. And you know, just like. I don't. I'm, I'm not going to say like watching him go through his career because I haven't. He's obviously we have the same birthday. He and I February thirteenth. Nice. He's like uh, thirty years older than me or something right. though. And so now to look back at it all in in a retrospect, um, he did awesome shit in Black Flag. And then when he was done with that, he went right on and did the Rollins Band. And and it was cool. It's not really my bag. It's a lot more like kind of metal-y than I necessarily would care for. It didn't have that that fast black flag thing, right. which I think was probably intentional. And then after that, by his own account, one day he was like, I don't have anything more to say. I'm not singing right. songs anymore. It would be fake, and I'm not going to fucking do it. And then he just became this badass, like... Sentient being. Yeah, he takes photos for fucking National Geographic. He uh, does? Yeah, he's... He's a world traveler, dude. He's I know he's pu- fucking, he's published, right? Published a book, author, and uh, then he speaker. he was speaks. Yeah, we went to his speaking tour. My my partner Stella and I went um, last year, I think maybe two years ago. We went and saw him at Liberty Hall. Oh, cool! Uh, caught a signed copy of his book, nice. uh, Black Coffee Blues. Okay, and just he's just really really fucking cool. I admire him as a human, and I admire his worldview. I I admire his 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 like his drive. Yeah. He's always doing something. He's been in fucking more movies than I could name. That's that's one of the things that is very appealing to me about him is that the little bit that I do know is always super cool. Stuff he's done and stuff he says or stuff he's written or believes or whatever. But the the real cool piece to me is that I've always felt like um there's innumerable other things about him that I don't even that I'm not even aware of that are probably also cool. He's, and if I ever peeled that lun- you know, the layers of that onion back, I'd probably be like, "You should do it." He hosts a he hosts a radio show or a, a I don't know if it's a, you want to call it a radio show or a podcast or whatever, but um, he's a huge audiophile. He's got right. these like hundred thousand dollar speakers Jeez. in his living room. Yeah, wow, they're fucking rad. But um, he's got a massive collection of vinyl and nice. He hosts. He started in twenty twenty, I think, okay. during COVID, just doing this show that he plays records and talks about them. And um, you know, that's his involvement with music these days. He plays records on the show. Yeah. Okay. I think that's how it works. Figure out how he out gets people. away with that. You know, copyright wise, I He's guess Henry Rollins. He maybe, yeah. You can do whatever the fuck you want. So you gonna fight him about it? No, <laughs> of course not. I'm gonna be like, please, master, show me the way. Uh, so I might be off on this, but I also, you know, it's totally fine if um, you know Rollins Band wasn't your bag. But I, I feel like 
in that transition from Black Flag to Rollins band, like he either intentionally or otherwise uh, kind of opened the door to collaboration in a way that we necessarily we weren't necessarily seeing in music prior. Like again, I don't know if he tell it, me more. Well, I'm not. I don't. I don't have any other things to say about it except for it just seemed like uh rollins goes from black flag to to rollins band and then collaborations and and new outfits and new projects and it's just seemed to sort of sprout from there and you know i don't know if it's just coincidence or if he gets or deserves partial credit but i kind of feel like he does i mean i don't know I think he's a really um, outgoing person and, and he's obviously really charismatic. And I think that when you meet people like that, whether it's Henry Rollins or just some guy that you met at the supermarket, when you meet somebody that has that energy, you're like, I want, I want to be involved in that. Whatever, right. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. I don't know what it is that you've got, but I, I want to, I, I want to be around you. I yeah. want to work with you. Sprinkle some on me. Man. Yeah. And is he also jacked or did he fucking huge? Yeah. He's still like, right. In his sixties, he's a very fit dude. But yeah. Uh, when you see there... somebody, it's crazy. When you see somebody that's like successful at two things, cause one is hard <laughs> Two, And then obviously yeah, plus, but you're like, fucking. Yeah. He was, there was an episode of Beavis and Butthead in the nineties where they were making fun of him. Um, I think it was the song "I'm a Liar," maybe, but uh, he's like it, the the video's all red and he's kind of devilly looking. Yep, yep. And they're making fun of how big his fucking neck is. They're like, <laughs> why, "Why is this guy's neck so huge? It's like bigger than his head." This sucks. Change it. Um, man, uh, good stuff. Uh, and then we move to 2002 against me. Ah, um, yes. Reinventing Axl Rose. First of seven records, 11 tracks, 30 minutes. Never heard of these guys before. Whoa. Um, and uh, however, um, there is a very clear and fami- familiar feel uh, to this flavor of punk rock to me like almost like anthem punk rock yeah and Um, that's what i love about this album you can't understand half of the words but if you read them they're fucking beautiful it's brilliant it's it's incredible poetry and it's delivered with this intensity and and anthemic nature that like just fucking stirs you inside and um yeah so this was 2002 in 2003 i think uh i saw i saw against me and none more black and rise against i feel like there was another one but two of those three bands are very big rise against is is fucking huge now like arena level okay um popular they all played at the bottleneck in lawrence oh damn so it's like 400 people oh shit there. i i meant to ask uh for your october gigs will you will, will this be will they be bill shares or will it be sirens in the suburbs solo yeah, no we'll have cool we'll have cool. folks with us um, cool we, nothing's booked yet. right but, no i just was i bet that's fun I, you it's know it's a blast like, i love meeting other musicians and um you know a lot of them are people like like the people that we play with um are a lot of the times bands that i like like playing with iron guts kelly was fucking awesome i've loved those guys for they've been around for 20 years and i've loved them for 10 of those years like I, I told them um, I have a little 
makeshift art studio up in my attic and there's a CD player up there and there's one CD and it's Iron Guts Kelly. Nice, nice. And I just play it while I make prints. Like I print all our t-shirts oh, cool. up there and Very I print cool. hoodies and fucking, I just do a lot of band merch stuff, but I also make some personal projects sure. and whatever. Well, the music nerd in me, I've always loved, uh, you know, if you're the opener, I don't need to see you set up, but if there, if it's a two band or a three band bill, when the opener finishes and they got to break down and, and do it quickly. Cause you got a middle, a middle act coming up and they've got to set up that. I love that because, uh, you have, um, different collections of people that must be focused and efficient and precise and not too drunk, not too drunk, but also, uh, could be, one of the only moments of the evening where members of both out- outfits are interacting. Yeah. You know, maybe the opener doesn't stay around for the third band or, or whatever the case may be, but that's bad form. Absolutely. You got to stay. Absolutely. You should be in the, anyway. And uh, if you're the, if you're the headliner, you got to be there for the opener. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but you know, uh, there are challenges unique to each outfit. And to each person within each outfit, uh, but there's so many, so much overlap and so many similarities that uh, I always just think, you know, how cool would it be to be, you know, behind, not necessarily record, but just experiencing the interactions or the vibe or whatever. But I digress. Bottleneck, all three bands. Yeah, bottleneck with uh, against me, rise against, and none more black. Um, it was, it was sweaty and gross. I don't, I, I, I barely remember, you know, I was, I was like 17 in the bottleneck with a fake ID and, um, just it's fucking mind blowing. And, um, I didn't really come to appreciate this album for what it really is until a lot later when, um, I got past the, the anthemic screaming, like frenetic nature of it and started actually like delving into what, uh, the, what the singer is saying, the singer of the band is Laura Jane Grace, who's uh, a trans woman, and she's lived a she's lived a life. She wrote a book. Uh, yeah. Did, did you read the book? No. I have a copy. I'll send it to you. Really? Uh, yeah, it's fucking great. I'm sure I got it the same way. Okay. Um, nice. It's a really great book that documents her her struggle through being like a fucking cocaine addicted punk rocker that's just wild as fuck and then coming to grips with the fact that um, she's she's trans and feels like she's not living in the body that that it that doesn't match her her mindset and and she was married to a woman um just a kid yeah yeah um uh evelyn okay this is her grandma's name nice i'm, I'm a big fan i of, can tell I'm a big fan of this individual and of the band um but this album is the finest work in my opinion that they, they put out a lot of really good music uh that's that's great in its own rights but this one it really fucking I, I i have this on vinyl and i spin it regularly nice. from from beginning to end cool um because it's it's this like roller coaster kind of it's not all screamy it's not all pissed um i mean you go through all of these like uh, pints of Guinness make you strong. It's, <laughs> it's a great track uh, about her grandfather and, and, and Evelyn, her grandmother. 
And, uh, you know, it's really sweet, like, sort of. Her grandfather, based on the lyrics of the song that I can gather, her grandfather was an alcoholic and drank himself to death. Um, but, you know, it's got these sweet lines, like, if we're never together, if I'm never back again, I swear to God that I'll love you forever. Mm. Evelyn, I'm not coming home tonight. Um, it, it's fucking beautiful. Uh, the politics of starving. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the ATF, it's the CIA, NBC, CBS, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> really great lines. Uh, we laugh at danger and break all the rules. That's, how punk rock is that? Yes. Uh, what else you got? Well. Those anarcho punks are mysterious. Mm-hmm. We're all presidents, we're mm-hmm. all congressmen, we're all cops in waiting. We're the workers of the world. We're, there's the elite and the dispossessed. It's Absolutely. only about survival. Um, it's it's fucking great. And Which is the one? Is there a track on there that uh, has an ellipses at the end? That's we're we're getting there. Okay, you're, okay sorry. You're stealing sorry. my thunder Damn here, it. man. I didn't mean to. So I'll cut it you out. Go through all of this like social commentary and and this bearing of a personal soul in a lot of kind of angry ways and a lot of um, observations of of a life lived by a fucking. She was like 22 or something. Anyways, you go through all of this and these deep thoughts about anarchism and, um, you know, the, the, the bullshit of it and, and the, the desire to be dedicated to this cause that you feel is righteous, but you also see how it can't work. And then you get into the last track, Eight Full Hours of Sleep. There it is. And it's a fucking really beautiful acoustic um, sort of. It, it's about a dream, you know. It's um, when you sleep, no one is hungry. Uh, I'm sorry. When you sleep, you can't feel the hunger. Mm. When you sleep, no one is lonely in a dream. Uh, and and again, it touches on a lot of the same themes from the rest of the album. Um, without classes, without nations. Um, tomorrow, tell me where would you wake up. Where would you wake up? Beyond society, beyond lease, careers, and laws, something more than borders on a map. Um, it's it's really, really poignant and beautiful. And then it it caps this fucking roller coaster of of badass emotion in in the the ellipses and in the infinite loop, and it just spins out. And still, like I've listened to this a thousand fucking times, and every time that song ends. I just kind of sit and listen to the and it's I don't know man it's um it's a really really beautiful body of work. Nice. Well, uh you know I got to be careful here cuz I don't want to upset anybody. Um I'm obviously aware um that um trans people and and issues associated with being like that has happened across the you know the human being timeline going back to i don't know when um but she went through some of the things that she went through um you know uh, let's just say 2014 ish they put out a record that has transgender in the title transgender dysphoria blues okay it, it, so it's good it's it's good music but 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 that's 2014 uh-huh. she's already gone through her stuff yeah not that not that it, it ends right but 
way past 2014, 2018, 2019, I don't know exactly when, but all of a sudden it sort of became a, a hot button topic. Yeah. And it's like you start in, in a lot of venues, rights, you know, and people that are anti and filled with hate and so on and so forth. So like, I mean, I don't know if she's been a spokesperson or had just phenomenal to see that, you know, she went through what she went through and, and, and I think found a place that she's happier in and more comfortable in and, and, and she did seems so, quite happy um, and did so not yeah. in the lens of, you know, even before to me, before, uh, um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. It's, it seems like she even predates that. Uh, I would imagine definitely not the level of celebrity, you know, of course, um, which makes it real. Bruce Jenner was fucking Bruce Jenner. Right. He was, he was on the cover of the Wheaties. He was on the fucking Wheaties yeah. box. And yeah. Like, so yeah, that was a very high profile individual. Right. Um, but Laura Jane Grace is, um, is a high profile individual in, her own circles, you sure. know, in, in the world of people who, who listen to this kind of music and, and, you know, she, she's not an unknown. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it was really, um, I'm sure, I, I don't know, man. It's, I just think that the, uh, right now in the world, uh, he, he, sometimes it feels like you got to look for authenticity and yeah. the, whatever her journey and the things that she's been through feels like it's just, it's right there. And you're like, this is, this is real. This is a thing that I dealt with and deal with and so on and so forth. And not so much, you know, uh, you know, under that lens and, and, and sort of affiliated with, there's a lot of clickbait stuff that yeah. like, they want you to think this way or look at this content in this particular way. And it strips away the, the authentic, the human element of it. And that in my experience, that didn't, that, that yeah, didn't feel that way with her. Absolutely. And I, I really admire um, her ability to be unapologetically her. And at the same time to, you know, to, to, I, I feel like a lot of people would be a lot less shitty and hateful if the people that did things that they're into were more open about their own struggles. You know, it's it's very easy to relate to this individual. Like, I don't care if you're trans or fucking whatever. None of it makes any difference to me when I view you as a musician. I love the music right. that you made. And, and so then for that person to be like, here's, here's what my life is like, here's what it feels like to be me beyond the, the portion of what it feels like to be me that I've already told you about. Here's the rest of it. And it's like, you, you have that connection, you know, it's, it's like somebody you love telling you that they're gay and you're like, well, cool. So what? Yeah. <laughs> so fucking, well, you're, you're awesome. Yeah. You're I still gay, love you. Great. Yeah. Like go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that um, we could combat a lot of of social issues with with more, um, you know, le less preachiness and more authenticity from people like that that are just like, here I am. Right. Did you did you like what I did before? And and now you're upset that, that yeah. what that I grew my fucking hair out. And, right. And I want to be called Laura Jane Grace right. and not Tom. 
I don't even remember yeah. what her fucking name right. was. Tom something. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Do you think that uh I didn't look for this in particular, but it was always sort of in the back. Do you think that they caught any flack for either the title of the album or for the likeness of Axel? Reinventing Axel Rose. Yeah, or of the... I think that they were so irrelevant that it didn't matter probably. Interesting. I don't know. Right. I, I'm sure she addressed it in the book. I don't remember specifically but all of this shit is like super DIY still at this point. Okay. Like she would make. Well, yeah, it's their debut record, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it carried on the DIY nature of it all. Like she would make the, the, the transgender dysphoria blues. The, the cover of the record is a, a tiger or something like a. Okay. Right. Am I, I'm thinking of the right album. I I didn't. I'm pretty sure it's it's that record. It's got a tiger on it, and it's made from cut and paste art that she cool. cut out of a magazine in the studio with an exacto knife nice. while they were recording. And like, all this shit is done in that capacity where like, they were just they're just punk kids from Gainesville making music. Nobody gave a shit. Axl Rose never heard this record. <laughs> maybe maybe he's heard it now, but what are you gonna do? Right. And I think also it's complimentary. Um. She's a Guns N' Roses fan. Sure. And talks about that in the book. Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to do? Right. Know. Well, uh, from 02 to 06, the Lawrence Arms, O Calcutta. Um, Interesting connection there, actually, before we delve into that. Please. So, Brendan Kelly is the lead singer of the Lawrence Arms. Okay. Um, one of my favorites. Well, I'll, I'll gush about him shortly. <laughs> but... Uh, he used to host, maybe he still does, I don't know. He used to host a program in um, Chicago, where they're from. And it's, I never knew. I, I like the Lawrence Arms as a band, and I've liked Against Me. And I never knew of all of the big connections between these people, like mm. Alkaline Trio. And, and uh, before Laura Jane Grace came out as a trans woman, she was on Brendan Kelly's talk show. And... Um, with the with the band and he's there and they're they're good friends um one of the tattoos that she covered up on her arm said ramblin boys of pleasure which is a lawrence arms lyric that, oh. that she and brendan kelly went and got together on their wrists and she covered hers up because she's not a boy oh um gotcha and, and thank you i was gonna ask <laughs> so she went on brendan kelly's talk show uh with with the band and she's still very much in the closet. And he said something to the effect of, he's a very, very quick and insightful, like he clearly reads a lot and fucking, he pays attention to what's going on. And so he's, he just kind of off the cuff goes, so Tom, do you like to wear women's underwear? And she's like, what the fuck? And kind of, you know, Cut. brushes it off and, and goes on. And then he turns to her bandmate and he's like, did Tom just evade my question about wearing women's underwear? Jesus. And then later finds out that, yeah, his his assessment of the lyrical content was was right. And, you know, you view things uh, differently once you know that kind of information like, oh, when when he was those finger quotes there for anybody, yeah. when he was singing In about she, yeah. he's the fucking she. It it puts you in a whole different like you thought he was singing about a woman and he was and he's the fucking woman that's it's it's autobiographical and so uh, that's just a a funny relation wow. between this artist and that artist right. 
Uh, and let's move on and talk about Brendan <laughs> Kelly. Uh, okay, so five of seven for them. Uh, 12 tracks, 37, 33 minutes. Uh, longest track runtime is track six. Are you there, Margaret? It's me, God. Fucking brilliant. At, Great. Right? At three minutes and 35. So still, we're in that uh, get in, get out, get on with your life kind of approach yes. to tracks. Yeah. Um, but and, also, again, like uh, a real kind of exposure of, of uh, vulnerability and, and the human experience, especially in that track. You know, um, believe me when I say I'm not afraid of destruction, sorrow, fear and regret. I've heard the devil call me by my name. That's fucking that's deep, man. Yeah. But it's all over this this fucking kind of syncopated, very drum-driven track and i've always loved the way that chris and brendan play off of one another okay right? cool so, cool so brendan i'm specifically talking about are you there god or are there margaret it's me mm-hmm. god um you know told me where to go and i always followed and then and then chris comes back with uh they told me where to go, and I always followed. They told me what to do, I swallowed every drop down. They told me bedtime stories of how I'd rise above. And told me they were true. And I just, I love the way that those two interact with one another. Nice. Um, I, I think they're a fucking brilliant vocal duo, even though, if I had to be honest about it, I think Brendan is far and away the, the better... Uh, at least the one that I connect to more. Okay. Okay. Chris is definitely a better musician, better guitar player. Brendan Kelly has written like 400 songs in the key of B and, <laughs> and it, somehow they don't all sound the same and it's, it's really awesome. But I think that his, um, I think his power comes from his, his abilities as a lyricist and his, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a really interesting character to me. Did we already uh, cover your discovery of them as an outfit? My discovery <laughs> my discovery of them as an outfit was in 2016. Okay. So I went to Riot Fest to see the original Misfits. Okay. Because it was I'd never even heard of Riot Fest before. Right. And it was announced that the Misfits were playing and it's it's them, you know, and I was like, holy shit, they've literally never been on stage together in my life. And I'm fucking 30 something. And so I'm like, I'm going to this festival. I'm going to Chicago. I bought a ticket. I fucking bought it on layaway, like made payments on the ticket. And I booked a couch in a musician's hostel for like $10 a night. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I, I, this place isn't there anymore, but it's a, it's a thing. You can find it. It was called Earphoria Musicians Hostel. And I think there's still one in like Austin or something, but they had one in Logan Square in Chicago. And it was just these kids that had this place. And in the basement, there was like eight couches. And for like 10 or 15 bucks a night, you could crash on the couch. And they would have touring bands come through. They had shows in the basement. A really cool place of its own right. I spent no fucking time there. Um, I just passed out on the couch every early morning until <laughs> later in the morning right. when I went back to the show. So I see that your rate is $10 a night for your couch. What's the rate for mornings? <laughs> right. Do you have an hourly rate? Yeah. yeah. Um, so while I'm there, I met an individual who is now my, my dearest friend. Hi, Derek. I love you. I hope you're doing well. And um, 
he was like, come to this show with me. It's the Falcon. You're going to love it. It's t- perfect strangers, and you guys just jived uh, right out well, of the we gate? Had, we had spoken like, so uh, we can easily get down a rabbit hole here. I'm sure. going to be careful, but there's a group called the Solo Riot Fest and Friends. Shout out Solo Riot Festers. What's up, guys? Um, and I joined this group because it's a group of people going to the festival alone. And cool. at that time, there were a hundred or so people in the group. It's now over a thousand people. It's huge. Um, it's a lot of really, really wonderful people that all go and party at riot fest together. So I joined this group because I was going alone and I'd never been cool. I've been to Chicago, but I hadn't been to riot fest. Yeah. And I didn't really, you know, I wanted to meet some people and, uh, Derek was an admin of the group. And, he's like fucking six foot six or something. Dang. He's really tall. And it was before the first day of the show, before gates even opened, I'm like standing. I think I bought some weed from a guy that was like left it in a porta potty. And then I went in and left the money in the porta potty. <laughs> and I come out of the porta potty with this bag of weed. And I see this really tall guy walk by and I go, you're Derek from the solo riot fest. Group. And he's like, I fuck yeah, I am. And um we were just like immediately bonded. That's like awesome. I, I don't know, you know, you meet people yeah. sometimes that you're like, you're my people. Yeah. I fucking see you and I love it. He told you to come to a fucking show with him and turned out to be one of your favorite artists. So we're hanging out, you know, we're just kind of like we compare schedules and we're like, oh, we're going to a lot of the same shows. And I'm like, I don't know anybody. Can I fucking tag along with you? And he's super nice. And so he wasn't gonna be like, no, fuck off, weirdo. Right? And, go back uh, to your couch. Right. So I'm walking around with Derek and he's like, I'm going to see the Falcon. You need to go see this band. You're going to like it. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. I guess that's what we're doing. And we go see the Falcon. And the first thing that I notice about the Falcon is, holy shit, that's Dan Andriano from the Alkaline Trio okay. playing the bass. And he's like, yeah, he's, he's in the band. And the next thing that I noticed was, Who's this fucking drunk guitar player fucking up every song? He sucks. And Derek's like, that's Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms. And I'm like, man, he's fucking loaded and he's wrecking every song. Like, I can't believe it was. You, you knew right away he was loaded. Oh, he was clearly his, drunk and, and his, he literally fucked up. His every errors song. were obvious to others Real as well. Loud and fucking just bad. <sighs> okay. Um, And so I was like. Why the fuck is Dan? What time Andreana? did they take the stage? Oh god, it was the middle of the afternoon. God damn it. We man. were all loaded. I was right. fucked up too, right? I wasn't performing that right. day. <laughs> um so I'm like, what the fuck is Dan Andriano doing in a band with this fucking clown? He's he's and so I don't I don't know how it ever happened, but I think like Spotify served me a Lawrence Arms song later that was off of Metropole. Okay. And I was like on a drive. I used to work for uh a motorcycle magazine that I traveled all over the country. Cool. And yeah, it was fun. Uh, but I was driving to Milwaukee and this song came through and I was like, damn, this is really fucking good. It was, it was YMCA down the street from the clinic on, on Metropole. And I'm like, it's one of the early lead off track or early and early track. I think it's number five. Five. Okay. Um, I'm like, this is fucking great. And so then I start listening to the Lawrence arms and I'm like, wow, that fucking drunk idiot is actually really incredible. Oh, you, you remembered. Oh, I knew okay. exactly who he was. Okay. As soon as I saw the name, the Lawrence Arms, I'm like, that's that fucking drunk asshole you, from the Did Falcon. you immediately like listen for mistakes on this? <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's now, fucking drunk again, and now he's in the studio. God damn it. Now that I know and love Brendan Kelly as an artist, I understand it all. Like, sure. it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. That's that's Who doesn't have moments like that? I mean, come on. He That's kind of his thing. He's expected to be that way. Um, you can't do that forever, though, man. No, well, he's like 50 now, and um, it, yeah, he's, he's doing more like acoustic solo shit okay. that's... It's also very cool and fun in its own right, um, but I don't know where I'm going. I'm I'm down a rabbit hole. Well, now, you're on your way to Milwaukee. I'm and on my way it. to Milwaukee, and I hear the Lawrence Arms, and I'm like, wow, this is this is really good. And so I started delving more into it, and I listened to all of the Metropole stuff and and all of this Oak Calcutta stuff, and it just I I became like quasi obsessed with the guy from a a musical standpoint of what like, a 180. Yeah. I thought he was a drunk asshole, and I was right. He was a drunk asshole. But he's brilliant. He's a fucking brilliant lyricist. He's nice. so witty and so observant and just like, I don't know, man. The the things that come out of his mouth, you're like... And he's, he's, he's like lacking in a filter in some way that I feel like I wish I could be, you mm-hmm, know? Like, mm-hmm. he, just, he just says shit that... Not, not like, I got something to say, I raped your mother today, right. but like... Just real weird shit, like uh, I don't know it. It just talking about his dick, or or it, in some kind of weird poetic way sure. that you're like, that was somehow strangely beautiful yeah, for a song nice, about your dick. Nice work. Uh, put it away now, but nice, <laughs> yeah. nice job. Um, well, man, it's um, you know, sort of the impetus for this is uh, I know what I like, you know, and it, it, that came with you know years of snobbery like if you don't if your tastes don't align with mine and your shit's garbage bro well that's not how life works uh or anything for that matter but um so i want to learn a little bit about you and i want to learn a little bit about some records that have meant something to you whether it's you know when you're eight and accidentally nirvana gets left or you know later in life it's always fascinating to me when somebody has an artist on their list that I've never heard of. And it's doubly fascinating when they have two records by said artists that I've never heard of. It so, was only that way because it's a toss up. I can't say which oh, okay. one. Okay. Like That's more. fair. That's fair. It's the old, uh, like asking me to pick my favorite kid. Yeah. Uh, yes. This is 2014 and, um, Metropole, not Metropoli. Metropole. Metropole. Yes. And, and these two actually for what it's worth were, um, chronological they didn't have they didn't put anything out in between here it right was, it was a decade in between yeah really. so sixth of seven uh 31 minutes 12 tracks and by this point um the parallel between track run times of songs on your albums list and track run times uh of your own material is unmistakable i've got a very short attention span okay okay uh i i gotta be honest i tried to listen to your podcasts and not just yours podcasts in general i can't enough. do it fair enough I, fair enough like i find myself wandering off in my head and sure. I'm like, wait these people were having a conversation yeah. and even if i was enjoying it i just like mm-hmm. nah. I, I need it to be like it's i think maybe you should put out a three minute podcast every day well uh maybe um <laughs> but i mean this that i think that is on varying degrees a thing that we're all experiencing and also you know at least twice so far since we sat down you've done the what is, what is this 2023 which is 
<laughs> Thank God I'm not the only one. Because I used to be like, that was August 3rd of 2009. <laughs> and I'm now I'm like, is it fucking Wednesday? I don't even know. Did I wipe earlier after I took a, sh-? you know, it's just so, so, um, that's that's hilarious. Uh, I, if you would, we'll we'll get into this record just a little bit, but because mm-hmm. of that parallel, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about the songwriting process for you. Wow. Okay. Huge huge change in gears. Um, a songwriting process for me, it depends on the song. Okay. Um, I'll. I will openly tell you right now that the song LBG that I wrote about Lewisburg, my hometown, um, I sat down and said, I'm going to write a Brendan Kelly song. Oh, okay. I want to write, I want to write a song in the style of Brendan Kelly. The song is played in the key of, of B and B minor. And it's, um, it's a very Brendan Kelly kind of progression from, uh, it starts on, on, C sharp to like D and up to A. I'm probably fucking it up, but it doesn't matter. The point is it's a very Brendan Kelly kind of progression. And I had the idea for the lyrics um, without being too fucking deep, sad musician guy. I was on my way back to my hometown to... um, buy pancakes at the pancake fundraiser for my cub scout leader who had died unexpectedly and um it was 2020 i believe and yeah it was because that's why there was you know the best you could do was go to buy pancakes and i had the idea for the song on the way there because i was just filled with this fucking disgust for what i was doing where i was going and um I was like, I fucking hate this place. And the only reason that I come here is because somebody died. And so here I go. I'm going to go do that thing. And I felt like the lyrics kind of just came out. And so then I had these lyrics and I'm like, what do I do with it? Um, This is kind of, this is kind of Brendan Kelly esque, the whole approach, the, the lyrics. And so I was like, let's make it a Brendan Kelly type musical arrangement as well. And so that's um, that's how that one happened, and a when, lot of the time, go ahead. When something like that happens, and and the lyrics are coming to you, um, is it sort of like whatever you're dreaming about when you right when you wake up, and it's so fucking clear, but by the time you have picked up your coffee mug for your first sip, you're like. I only really know like two or three words to describe the whole. So when the lyrics come to you do you have to put them somewhere or they're gone i typically yes okay absolutely i typically take out my phone and record the audio i just good for you i'm very happy to hear um, that i've got a notebook like not not unlike the one that you have right there it's a plain ass black and white the classic uh notepad just says notebook on the front yeah exactly (laughs) that one i have one of those that i jot ideas in and um you know sometimes things come like for my whole life. And I've, I've heard other musicians talk about it before as well. Where like once in a while, a song just like falls out of the sky and lands on your fucking head. And you're like, well, there's that one. And then the other 99 of the hundred songs that you write in your life, um, are hard fought and you have to actually like, 
piece it together. Um, for me personally, I think that what I really prefer to do if a song doesn't fall out of the sky and land on my head is I prefer to start with music. Okay. And I really like when I come to practice and somebody has an idea that they're like, Hey, I've been working on this. I just listen to it over and over. And at some point, usually something in the music triggers something in my brain that a, a, a line, cool. one single right. phrase will come out. Like, um, like the song weather vane, we, we play it. Um, it's, it's one of our older ones and, and it just, um, I don't even remember what the line was now. I totally know what you mean but though. The point is there was something about that music that triggered three words and, okay. and then those three words come out and I'm like, okay, now play it again. And I'm going to put those three words right where they belong. And then maybe another line will come on either side of that. And now I've got eight words and, and I can arrange those eight words in a fashion that, okay, now there's a concept coming, right? Like, okay. Because you start out with a phrase that doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, like, like. It was, I think it was looking this way and that that, okay. that came with, with weather vane. And then I'm like, okay, looking this way and that. And I'm like, my head's like a weather vane. It's going to break my fucking neck. <laughs> and it, it just, um, it just started coming in a way that now I've got it. Now I've got a concept. I went from looking this way and that to like, why is there so fucking much going on all the time? Why am I so distracted? And why am I like, just this life is perpetually fucking barraging me with bullshit and and so now we've got a you've got a line you've got a rhyme you've got a theme and that thing can come together as a song and and that's kind of the process that i prefer if like i said it doesn't just fall out of the sky and land on my head in a complete fashion i like to i like to come up with one line that really sticks with me and then build it around that and and the the theme sort of reveals itself and, and then you can, you know, sure now. So you have songs that fall out of the sky and hit you on the head and then Uh songs you got to get in there and work at Uh huh. and songs that John writes and songs are three. Okay. For, (laughs) for, for sirens in the suburbs. Yeah. Okay. Now, but for songs uh, for, for you, um, is the feeling of, I think that song is complete or I'm happy with, is the feeling relatively similar from song to song to song where you kind of go, I, I like that. I'm going to put it over here now and focus my energy elsewhere. I don't know if I would ever say any of it's good or complete. I'm very critical of myself. Um, and that's probably for the better in the sense that like, I don't, I don't just let anything fly, you know? Sure. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be like the, the produced work that we have put out <laughs> is brilliant. You're not that's, coming across that way. That's, so that's not me at all. In fact, I would say you probably shouldn't even bother listening to it on. <laughs> no, that's a joke as well. But when, when you're your own worst critic, the shit other people say should just bounce right off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's ever said anything to me that was worse than what I right. think about. Um, when, what I am can think about uh, my own work. And, so I guess to that end, what I'm trying to say is that when I've got these ideas, none of it ever feels 
quite done until it's done and then you know right it's like the yeah it's like the combination clicked on the lock that's what i'm trying like, to yes there you go very okay, good that, nice yeah that goes there and this that rhyme is fucking weak or this is then uh, we can do better than that or this line doesn't make sense and you you take the good part and you fill in something different until you're like okay that's better how does how does that work with this and and um so yeah. songs that you write songs that John write are, are, are the bulk of sirens in the suburbs songs. Uh, they're the entirety of sirens uh, okay. in the suburbs songs to date. Okay. Uh, what we're doing right now with, I told you that we're all kind of working individually to yeah, yeah. together things. It's producing um, a lot different music in a lot of respects. I mean, we're still, you know, we're still us. It's not yeah. gonna, right. I heard a quote from Dave Grohl when, um, you know, after Kurt Cobain had killed himself and he put out the Foo Fighters record and he's like, people were really pissed at me about that record. And they're like, cause it kind of, it sounds like Nirvana. And he's like, why? Cause it's got big drums and loud guitars. That's what I fucking do. What do you right. think I was going to make a reggae album? <laughs> and so in that sense, the sirens in the suburbs music that we're working on right now is sirens in the suburbs. We all do what we do and the music's going to reflect that. But, um, I would like to think that the things that we're working on right now are are more developed and more um they've got more musical depth than than three chords and a you know three chords and right. a backbeat now uh and feel free to uh, say it's none of my business um but are there times where it's none of your business where you've written a song uh and you get to a spot where you're like i, I like it's not necessarily done, but I like it for what it is. Um, but for whatever reason, like, I'm just going to keep it. Like, I'm not going to share it with the band right now. But does that happen? Yeah. I mean, it happens in, in every regard, lyrically, musically, um, you know, because nobody's, nobody's one dimensional, right? Like, right. Yes. I fucking love punk rock music and I can sit here all day and talk to you about Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig and Iggy pop and, and fucking all these, these things that ignite me and these things that I've loved for so long. But also like, I like fucking fifties doo-wop music. I like hip hop. I like like all kinds of shit. And I don't always play an electric guitar. Sometimes I'm playing an acoustic guitar and it sounds different. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, in these in these different mindsets and and different uh, approaches of things that that inspire me, yeah, a lot of times I'll like the other day I sent Dave a riff that I had been working on that just kind of I was like, this sounds really cool. I don't know if it's Sirens in the Suburbs song, but I like it. And um, so, yeah, I mean that happens. And I've got a small body of work that. Um, it's my solo shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll never put it out as right. that. But you know, yeah, I've got I'm a kidding. small body of work that's that's just me singing songs and and also, I mean, I've been at this a lot longer than just the last three years. Sure, if you can believe it, I'm I'm 37. I didn't start writing songs when I was 34. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's old hangarounds from fucking teenage years and. Um, one time I wrote a country song about the guy that lived across the street from me called uh, Power Street because 
I my name's Powers, but I lived on Powers Street as nice. well. Nice. Did you steal a street sign before you moved? I never from there? did. Damn. Never did. Okay. But uh, this guy lived across the street from me. He was a huge piece of shit. <laughs> Just down, fucking... down in the Berg? No, in oh. Lawrence. Oh, okay. Okay. Huge dirt bag, and uh, I wrote a song about it, and I think it's fucking hilarious. Nice. And I love it. And it's just me ripping on all the shit. Like he had a he had a fucking dog kennel in his front yard that was just full of bags of trash Ugh. and like rolls of carpet stacked up next to the house picnic table that had a cooler sitting on it all year round. Like it, it wasn't like he went to the lake and took the cooler out and said it, it was just there. Right. And, and so I fucking, I was just sat and looked at this shit pile across the street from me. And I'm like, what kind of individual are you? Right. You know, that's never going to be a sirens in the suburbs song. It's a very country song. Now, when you say that you sent Dave this riff the other day, is that a relatively easy thing for you to do once you have, put the guitar down and hit stop or, or do you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get it into a, a, a thing where you can then go, here you go, buddy. For, you know, for just the exchange of ideas. No, I mean, I've got, um, I, I probably got I, the same thing as, as with vocal content, I use the voice recorder on my phone religiously. Okay. And if I scrolled through right now, I, I, there's probably a hundred, maybe more just, little guitar recordings that um that kind of turned me on in some way like that speaking of the nudes was, was that the nudes right there that's that, that's <laughs> that's what i loved about it i was like this has got a ted Nugent nice. kind of feel nice and, it goes it goes elsewhere on later but uh, so that can be literally just boop boop and yeah. send it okay yeah it doesn't have to be packaged up nicely and no, stripped down and that's what all the work in the studio is for sure, sure. You know, when you when you're developing ideas you just go Bleh. <laughs> and then everybody else comes. look what and, i did everybody everybody comes and looks at your fucking your lyrical musical vomit right? and then they vomit on top of it they're like oh god you threw up now i'm gonna be sick mix it in mix it in and, and then you mix all the puke in a bucket and nice it, and it makes a record that's a fucking vile analogy but that's exactly what I, it is you know thank you for allowing for that pivot but back to metropole back to metropole um, um speaking of puke analogies right <laughs> uh so little axel sprinkled into your list in that we've got reinventing axel and from against mm-hmm. me lose your illusion one was a track from uh calcutta mm-hmm. uh and then uh, paradise shitty on <laughs> metropole here uh coinc- all coincidence right well i mean we just discussed that that uh laura jane grace and brendan kelly are friends maybe they were being and we got 2014, 2006, they're talking about Lose Your Illusion 2 and 2002. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe that's them and their relationship making fun of Axl Rose or whatever. Mm. Uh, but Brendan's also got that that thing about his voice that indicates kind of a, uh, you know, he didn't make it up. The that that axel rose uh-huh oh won't you please yeah. take me home are they is lawrence arms uh the one that has the track called scream until your throat bleeds or something like scream until you're puking up blood there no, it that is. is uh that's on on against me okay okay axel rose. um but yeah brendan i actually i heard a an isolated uh, Dave Mustaine vocal track one time that was, you know, Megadeth without Megadeth. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds a lot like Brendan Kelly. Like he's got this, this delivery that if you've ever, 
I don't know. I nerd out a lot on, on vocal deliveries. Um, because your voice is a fucking crazy thing and the way that you can manipulate it and use it, you know, it, I, I don't know. It intrigues me and it's fun for me to play with and, and listen to how other people use their voice, you know, like, um, uh, Billy Corgan from the smashing pumpkins. He's got that very distinct voice that comes mm-hmm. right out of his nose. Right. There's like very little chest voice involved. It's all tonight, mm-hmm. tonight, tonight. Brendan Kelly has got more chest and it's like this compressive ah, fuck you if I'm wrong I don't want to be right fuck you I'll be drinking in the streets all night and it's I, I don't know man it's uh but again I my point is I heard uh I heard Dave Mustaine's isolated vocals from Megadeth and I was like wow that's that's kind of that fucking thing that Brendan Kelly's doing. I don't remember if it was watch me become a god or whatever the fuck. I don't remember, but uh, it, it was just an intriguing observation to me. And so I would yeah. say probably Axl Rose was a uh, influential singer sure. on Brendan. And um, There's a gal uh, whose YouTube, I forget her real name, but she's like a leg- or was a legit opera singer. Her uh, YouTube handle is the charismatic voice. Okay. And, and she is very sharp and very cute and, and loves to, she does reaction videos and, and she's done a lot of metal. Um, and um, she totally nerds out. Like if it's a six minute song, her reaction video is, you know, 19 and a half minutes because she goes back. And I watched her do um, Tom Sawyer mm-hmm. and immediately she's like, she probably, you know, we don't even get through like two bars and she's paused like three times, four times. And she's talking about how lovely, what a lovely job he's doing, closing his lips where consonants end. Mm -hmm. And there's a term for it. And I'm like, what? And then she's talking about how, you know, you know, he, he, Getty gets up there. I Uh, thought it was a woman when I was a kid. I remember when I found out that Getty Lee was a man. Yeah. Talking about rush. Yeah. That, 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 no, that's a woman. Uh, Getty Lee. So she's, like talking about, ooh, he's she can tell he's using all the muscles appropriately to get the range that he seek, and and it's not only um, pleasing, but in terms of uh, fending off potential damage, he's doing it all right. Yeah. So she's, I'm like, what? And and then she's talking about how uh, your feet play into all of that and to such a level that uh you can dial in even deeper if you're barefoot to the way I probably need to watch her channel yeah it's uh, it's worth i mean i short attention span theater over here i don't know right. how, how far but it, i regularly just fucking smoke my voice and i bet man um i mean yeah you've you've listened to the record it's it i just fucking balls out yell a lot of the time well and, i've done enough of these uh, interviews where folks have had uh, metal or, um, you know, I don't know all the subgenre names, but, um, you know, where you s- just doing a quick glance and a quick read and it's like, okay, they put out this record and then they scheduled um, 18 months of shows to support the record. And three months in, they had to cancel the remaining tour because this, sh- the recovery time from that shit is not tomorrow. No, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, you can do permanent damage right. very easily. Right. And I'm sure that I have in some capacity. Um, I I notice it more 
excuse me. <laughs> I notice it more when I'm like singing actually like when i have my acoustic guitar and i'm trying to sing a song and i'm like i can't deliver that the way that i used to be able to um because of the way that i deliver the things that are perhaps more important to me or more beloved like i see it as an exchange i know i'm doing it but at the same time i don't fucking care Mm. like so what what's gonna happen i mean if you do irreversible damage yeah when I'm 70, I'll be fucking old. Well, okay. You know, like, right. But I mean, for let's say you're going to be just a number at random. You're going to be in the um, songwriting and music performing lane for the next 25 years. Then I'll be Tom Waits later. You got to, you just got to play the hand you're dealt and the right. hand that you deal yourself. And Tom Waits, though, uh, there's a, a lot of intention behind that. That's not. I sing this way because I fucked up for like 20 years, you know what I'm I saying? get it. It was an example of a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It, I hear you. It, I'll, I'll have a different voice later than I have now. And, you know, I don't... I, I kind of... It's sort of a metaphor for life, I guess. I don't really... Um, not to say that I don't plan for the future or think about the future. I just am willing to make a lot of concessions in favor of what I want right, right now. now and maybe that's maybe that's childish and interesting I have, a, I have an underdeveloped frontal cortex or whatever <laughs> the fuck it means that you know my literally my next question are is are there short-term versus long-term goals for the band or is it more of a like one day at a time kind of thing because you got now you got your new uh, the new place where you're yeah. practicing you're sort of flirting with consistency in terms of day of the week you got a, a couple potential gigs um oh, is they're it, booked they're not potential. Oh, okay they're my bad i misunderstood uh but i mean is it literally kind of one day at a time or no not at all okay um no it's 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 just sort of if you think of it like a train sometimes it's going really fast and sometimes it's going really slow sure but it's a good um, analogy we're we're always still headed towards the destination uh wherever that may be and i don't know that I don't know that any of us harbor any kind of illusions of like being famous rock stars or mm-hmm. whatever. We just want to fucking play music. Sure. So that's what we're going to do. Um, that's mostly all that matters. Right. right. Yeah. Maybe somebody will listen to it. Maybe we'll go on a local podcast and <laughs> meet some cool people. Um, but yeah, the, the goal is always just moving forward, like continue producing, evolving. Yeah. And to continue to produce music that, that we all like to play and, and enjoy doing together. Um, What's the, uh, one of the earliest, one of the soonest phrases bio wise in your, in your band camp is like four, four dudes from Kansas city that love punk rock music or something like play rock and roll. Rock and roll. Yeah. I don't know who changed that. I made it, louder harder faster oh and that's that it was there for a long time and then somebody updated it to that. okay and okay that's fair that's what, what happens are. when you give admin access to everybody <laughs> right and i don't care i'm kidding um yeah that's what we are we're four dudes from kansas city that like to play rock and roll and so um we've even in these these times of like starting a new job and john selling his house and everybody you know we've all always had our eye on the ball in terms of like, what are we doing next? And, you know, we've got, we've got a good body of music 
built up for our our next album um i would like to think viva the lp man i think we're up to 10 i think i think we're up to about 10 songs for that um two of them are obviously have already been released as singles but um yeah i think we're up to about 10 songs for that and so you know that shit doesn't come out of nowhere it 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 requires a lot of participation from a lot of people and and that process has always been moving forward even if it's like can you come over here for an hour after work and and lay down a vocal track for this or can you swing by and and record guitars or whatever you know everybody's always in constant communication through a through a text chat and um so yeah i mean we're not always firing on all cylinders but we're always firing that's awesome i love it uh so recording we've touched on recording production release promotion i mean uh, what is is there any part of those four lanes that from your perspective that is interesting that we haven't touched on uh well we went pretty in depth on recording uh Production, you production, that's somebody's yeah, plate. About, you know, all the various engineering things mm-hmm. and how Dave really steps up to the plate there. Uh, what was the promotion? Release and promotion. Um, promotion, of, promotion of shows, depending on where they are, has traditionally been my okay. arena. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still very much of the old school demographic. Like, um, when we play in Lawrence, I go fucking flyer the town nice i'm i have i have a shitload of handbills in my car right now that are just from old shows um and i've got a little i got my my promo kit you know i've got fucking tacks and tape and handbills and full-size eight by eight and a half by 11 flyers and i plaster them downtown um last year i was studying a lot for um for some networking certifications that whatever i was studying to get a new job which i just said i did um, but while I was doing that, I wasn't working full time and I was delivering Uber Eats orders and, and DoorDash and shit. And, um, could you pay your bills with that? I've never, I've, yeah, I mean, ish. I could keep, yeah. Okay. I wasn't living high on the hog, but I, money was coming. Right. Um, but while I was doing that, I would fucking, I would staple handbills to the orders and drop them off at people's doors all over town. You know, I'd go run. Nobody ever complained or anything nice no okay even when there was a creepy clown on the flyer nobody said anything (laughs) i've seen that clown it is creepy it's a creepy flyer charlie did that too he does all the graphic design he's really good at it and um yeah that that flyer was really it it was divisive like the people that liked it were like dude that's really cool and the people that didn't like it were like i don't know if i want my fucking band to be associated with this flyer There, there was a discussion with a member of a different band on that bill who is a friend of mine. And he was like, dude, I got to run this by everybody before we release this flyer with our name on it. Do you have a second idea for this flyer that I can shit? No. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's the Uh, fucking flyer. If you want to make your own, go for it. We'll leave you off. Oh no, 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 no. It's cool. (laughs) The clown flyers going out. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would staple those fucking clown flyers to people's McDonald's orders and drop it off on <laughs> their fucking door. I and, love it. You know, tape it to the pizza box. Ronald McDonald has changed his look. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so I love that shit, and I love the I love this street promotion of it. Going into the stores downtown. Hey, can I 
tape this flyer onto your counter and people are like, yeah, cool. What are you doing? And so this LP that you guys will release, um, will promotion of that be a shared thing or do you think it'll wind up in one lap or the other in particular? Um, that's hard to say. I don't know. I like with, um, with killer confessions, I, tried a couple of things promotion of promotion of musical releases is really really difficult um because first of all nobody wants to hear it like when was the last time you honestly went and listened to a band you've never heard of before without some type of impetus right like like they're coming on my podcast and i need to hear this or whatever like people don't really actively seek out new underground music it just sort of is what it is i I got to say that for the longest time, and I've said this a million times on here for the longest time, I just, you know, I just need for there to be like a, like a drip. It's just new music is just coming my way. And and I don't, I don't, I, I can't spare any effort. I just need it to come, you know, (laughs) the Spotify release radar. Well, so somebody created uh, a Spotify playlist uh, that has upwards of 11,000 hours and 500 plus records on Sweet. it. Um, so that no lie. I don't pay for Spotify, so I only, I can only shuffle. Right. Oh, I pay for Spotify. Uh, well, I can't stand the fucking commercials. Uh, me either. And, <laughs> and sadly, uh, there's a, glitch happening right now where uh as the thing will whenever it's time to go most of the time when it's time to go to a commercial it it pauses so i gotta go over and start it oh again. god but anyway um there i've probably added well over 100 by this point albums to my the streaming service that i do pay for and so um what happens is i'll be in the kitchen and be like the fuck is this this is amazing and i'll look and a lot of times i've already added it because other songs on that album are good um but But being that band is incredibly difficult like getting into the position where your music is served to somebody that's looking for it it's you know yes but there's fucking like like 200 million artists on Spotify. It's, I know. It's absurd how much is there for our consumption. And so I'm not even saying like, well, people don't seek out new music. I'm saying there's literally too fucking much of right. it. Right. And. Well, and then back know. to uh, when's the last time, you know, as a musician, it's probably a different answer for you than for somebody else. But I mean, like legit, genuinely no distractions put the cans on, put the phone out of reach and listen to a record. Oh, I do it a lot. Okay. Yeah. It's but one of my favorite. What hobbies. about the rest of the world? It's the same uh, yeah. thing as being on. Uh, uh, That's what was background I? noise. For yeah. Sure. Anyway, um, I cut you off again. Uh, it's hard to promote because a lot of times people don't want to hear it. And I think that's right where you were. Yeah, or just generally, you know, it's hard to um, get in front of people that you know, I, I recognize that our music's not for everybody. We have a relatively niche audience, um, and and getting in front of those people, you know, you've got um, you've got various modes, but it's all 
this gigantic machine that you have to try and figure out how to operate, you know, whether you're paying for Facebook ads or, um, Mm -hmm. fucking Spotify. Like, so that was, that was the thing that I spearheaded when we released killer confessions was like, okay, guys, let me try the Spotify thing. Spotify has a feature where you can submit to them unreleased material and, um, you you give it to them and they review it and it's got to be you know you got to give it to them like 10 days or two weeks before the release date and they review it they ask you for <clears throat> no it's okay, free okay it's free um and by doing that you are automatically guaranteed placement in the new release radar of anybody who follows you on spotify so that opens a different can of worms right because so we're t- followed t- by p- people 15, have to be 20 fucking people. Yeah. You've got to get your whole audience. Nobody everywhere else. All engaged. Nobody else is going to get fed that. You're not guaranteed that. Okay. So, okay. but let's, let's stick with this for one moment. This is what I was talking about when I said that I'm always the one encouraging everybody to treat social media channels as, as a an, promotional, an, as a promotional yeah. outlet. Right. Because we've got like, I don't, I haven't looked, I don't know. We've got over a thousand, maybe, I don't know. We've got about a thousand fans on Facebook. Call it that. Somebody can check me or whatever. (laughs) I don't fucking care. We're calling it a thousand. We're going to call it a thousand people. Say 1000 people follow us on Facebook. That only translates to 20 people following us on Spotify. We've got to get all of these thousand engaged in, in this medium because each of these platforms comes with some specific benefit to us in terms of, of audience engagement and in terms of like, if you want your picture to be seen, you put it on Instagram, right? If you want your song to be heard, you put it on Spotify. If you want your show to be attended, you put it on Facebook. And if you, you know, whatever, if you want someone to hear the best 160 characters you ever spit out of your fucking face, then you put it on Twitter because that's what goes on there. And it's all got to be going to the same people that are engaged with you already uh, because when you do something like a pre-release on Spotify, you don't want it to be fed to 20 people. You want it to be fed to a thousand fucking people. And and you've already got that audience. You've just got to figure out how to push them around and, and make sure that they're aware of all these channels and that they're following you on every channel and that they understand the importance of that. So back to how it, how the pre-release works. You you submit this material to Spotify and that guarantees you placement in the new release radar of anybody that follows your page. So your then that's the piece that you have to address to hey, uh new new stuff never been heard, but you got to be following us on Spotify. Somehow in there yeah. is the kernel to deliver. And you can pay for and campaigns hope- that that pump that shit to other places. We never have because it's I don't know. It's all because it's all a fucking, it's a lot. It's a big ass machine. Mm -hmm. So you can pay for these pre-launch campaigns and you see musicians that you follow doing like a pre-launch campaign. You can go pre-like or pre-download the album on Spotify. And so based on those metrics, if you can, if you can give Spotify an unreleased piece of material, then it goes into this group and everybody here hears it. But also if you can develop a, a buzz around it, so to speak, if enough people pre-save it, then it's got the attention of the 
the powers that be, right. the moderators of every fucking thing that everybody hears, and they start feeding that into Spotify curated playlists, which is when you start getting into big exposure. You know, right. we've not cracked that nut at all. Like, I don't, I don't know what, um, what our most played song on Spotify is, but I know none of them have hit a thousand streams yet. And yet. Um, yeah, we'll get there. You know, if it hangs out long enough, eventually a thousand people will have played it. Right. But, um, you know, you look at like Taylor Swift is fucking streaming hundreds of millions of, of songs. And it's not necessarily because Taylor Swift is great. I'm not saying she's not what I don't know. I couldn't even name a Taylor Swift song. But the point is that it's all part of a marketing campaign, right? Like, this is what you like. This is what you're going to listen to. Here, have it. Eat the Taylor Swift. Love the Taylor Swift. And they're like, oh my God, I like Taylor Swift. I'm going to go to the Taylor Swift concert. No, you're not. And... You're not going to fucking find tickets. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it the, it's hard to try to crack that nut as an independent artist to be like, how do we get onto a Spotify curated right. playlist? How right. do I get... Because I know that objectively there there is an audience for our music. I know that there are more than a thousand people in the world that like what we Absolutely. do. Absolutely. So how do you do it? You know, how do you reach every fucking person in the world to then uh, distill it down to right. the the few thousand that are like, this is really cool. I vibe with this. I like it. I, I see what you're doing here and I dig it. I don't know. Right. Um, I know we need to get you out of here. I've got a couple more for you, but my... Um, my bladder's going to burst. Me too. Uh, so I drank this whole Gatorade. And I was going to say, can I get you a water or something else? No, I don't need any more water right now. Okay. Let's pause real quick and then we'll wrap. Is that okay? okay. All right. Um, but then you're like, well, fuck, we're halfway to Denver. I'm not going to stop now. <laughs> all right. Okay. So stop in Lyman to take a piss. We're going to make it all the way to fucking Broadway, baby. So, um, yeah, we're back at it. Uh, you go, you're the host to do your thing. Host Ad advice to people young or old that are just picking up an instrument or just beginning to gig. Fucking do it all the way. Don't half-ass it in any capacity. Um, if you're just picking up an instrument, play that instrument every fucking day as, as much as you can and, and try to understand it as thoroughly as you can. I've been playing guitar for... <laughs> You're 30. 25 years or okay. so. And 12, so 12 when you got your first? Yeah, roughly. Okay. And I suck still. <laughs> I'm not I'm not good at it, dude. I don't understand it. Um, I still daily try to delve into things that I, you know, I've gotten to a point now that I understand. I know what I don't know. And so I'm trying to learn those things. And um, so, yeah, if you're half the battle, up, man. Yeah. Well, not. Yes. No. <laughs> Knowing what you don't know is half the battle, I think. If you're starting out, play it all the time until you can't tolerate touching it anymore and then do it again the next day. Um, if you're starting out gigging and, and you're trying to fucking make some kind of, of local name for yourself or whatever, do it all the fucking way. I try my best every single time that we play out anywhere to fucking just pour myself out and I don't want to leave the stage feeling like I could have I could have fucking screamed that harder I could have been more engaged and more active I want everybody to leave there and go fuck that guy was he meant it 
he really fucking meant it. And um, so I guess you don't want people to have the experience you had at Riot Fest when you're seeing uh, what's his name? Brendan Kelly. Brendan Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> no, not like that at right. all. Um, you know, maybe when I've been at this for for fucking 30 years as a as a musician of note, then I can be a fuck off or whatever. But um, no, I, I, I think that in life music and and everything fucking swing hard and let the chips fall where they may right on so in life personally musically whatever the case may be any kind of bucket list item or items for you how big a bucket you got you want to start another <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah dude there's all kinds of bucket list items i mean fucking countries i want to visit and places things i want to see things I can't even think of right now that I'm sure are incredible and things I can't even conceptualize right now that, right. that I don't even know I want to see yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to go to fucking Southeast Asia, um, see Thailand. I want to go to Peru. I want to fucking... Uh, I, I, dude, I want to I want to drink deeply from the cup of life nice. until, I like it. until I drown. Right. <laughs> uh, 85 million lottery inheritance whatever comes your way tomorrow uh first move that you make and does your life look different moving forward or does it look relatively the same oh i think you'd be ridiculous if you said your life looked the same with with 85 million i can only than whatever i can only answer for right me now. and i know my, mine would look different my life would look grossly different okay. um you know yeah i probably not in in necessarily a, a material aspect beyond like I don't know, man. I just uh, a brief side story. When I was 17, I worked all summer long, and I spent two thousand dollars on a 1985 Gibson Les Paul. <clears throat> and when I was 20, I pawned that same guitar to pay the rent. And uh, about three months after that date, I called my parents and I was like, "I fucking pawned my guitar to pay the rent, and I don't have the 500 bucks to get it back, and I need you to get it out for me." And they came and got it, and they're like, "We're just gonna hold on to it." Oh shit! Seventeen years later, I picked up that guitar from my parents' house like like a month ago. Nuh-uh. Yeah, it's sexy as fuck. I've played it every single day. Like I, I feel like I'm seventeen again when I take it out of the case, and I'm like, "Yeah, dude, this is it." Like, did you leave your parents' house five hundred dollars lighter? Yeah, okay. yeah, I gave him, I gave him the money wow, and and, wow. and got the guitar okay. back, but it was it was more than the five hundred bucks. Of you know? course, like they were, they were they were making sure that I wasn't going to fuck it off again, and so they were like, "Yeah, oh, you're stable enough now." Yes, because shortly after I had pawned it, I was like, "Okay, I've got the five hundred bucks," and they were like, "Yeah, so what? Um, congratulations, whatever." And I took that five hundred bucks and I bought the white uh, Epiphone. Les Paul SG knockoff thing that you see me play okay. on stage. Um, and so I've had that guitar for 15 years and that was, that was the 500 bucks that I was supposed to be getting my Les Paul back with. Um, so it was never about the 500 bucks. But right. Yes. I gave Solid them, move uh, on mom and dad's part though. Yeah. Huge, regardless. Huge. Um, Good fucking job, fan. Way to go mom and dad. Thank you. I love you. And um, yeah, that instrument is sick as fuck. And so that was kind of where I was going. If I had $85 million, I might, I might buy some kind of cool guitar, I but mean, I'm or a probably few. not going to replace it. You know, that's right. that to me, like that's the epitome of badass instruments. And so I don't know, man, I, I don't, I don't really want 
for many material items. Um, so you probably wouldn't see that I had $85 million. You would just know from the fact that I wasn't here anymore. Like, <laughs> where the fuck did Shane go? And you're like, well, that, he bought that place in fucking yeah. Ensenada and then he sailed his sailboat from there to fight. Like, have you checked Bangkok? He might be there. <laughs> exactly. Call Bangkok. <laughs> see if he's home. Have, have you seen this, this guy? Yeah. That, I, I would definitely live differently, but I don't know that there's nothing that I'm like, oh, I would buy a fucking sure. Lamborghini. Right. No. You saw what I pulled in the driveway and I love my little van. Yeah. Um, if you could go back and visit you at any previous point in your life, what age would you choose? And are you saying anything or are you just observing? That's pretty deep, man. I don't know. I can think of a few times in my life that I would like to go back and punch myself in the fucking face. I think you're uh, you're lying if you can't say the same about your own self. Because yeah. I, yeah, it's it's interesting to choose both a time and and whether or not you interact. Um, I don't know, man. I guess probably I, if I'm being if I'm being honest and vulnerable to the fucking whatever size audience you have i would say that i would probably visit myself in young adulthood and and say it's gonna be cool dude don't worry about it like you get real you get real fucking wrapped up in really dumb details that don't fucking matter at all stop what are they it gonna say what is it gonna mean yeah and it's it's you know i feel like i've uh, at least advanced far enough down the path of enlightenment now that i can look back and and i would like thank to you henry rollins so yeah <laughs> man like read more and stop taking so many drugs and right don't be a fucking idiot dude like get better S still take drugs you just don't just have take, to take this many not as many drugs yeah. yeah uh complete the uh this phrase if you would for me please the world would immediately become a better place in which to live if only People would care about each other. Bingo. I love that answer. I, I really do. I mean, that's how I would answer it. Or I hope I hope I would answer it that way because that's what I feel in my heart. Fuck. I mean, you look through this this, this series of albums. Um, the, a, a big a big recurring theme is, um, if not if not outright anarchism, communism, things like that. Uh, the recurring. Th theme is regularly like just be decent dude stop being a fucking asshole to everyone and stop fucking engaging in this corporate whoredom like do what you want to do be good and not in the fucking walk the straight line sense be good to people and be good to the earth and and fucking pull your head out of your ass <laughs> right um okay so for folks hearing this or watching this for the first, they've never heard of Sirens in the Suburbs, the best place to stay in the loop, new releases, gigs coming up, here's where I can order a shirt, what's the best, or is there multiple places? I, well, I mean, I would be I would be remiss if I, after my whole tirade about the universal promotion, if I didn't say, go fucking follow all of them, Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, we're on Bandcamp. Does um, Bandcamp have a, 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 a subscribe thing where if new stuff happens, people can? I believe that's okay. how it functions. Okay. Um, my biggest, my biggest, whatever, I, I, my association with Bandcamp is is that's our online merch store. 
right. band camps where you can go buy a t-shirt. We've got hoodies. Uh, we've got stickers and patches and just all this shit that I've made in my attic. And, uh, you know, Charlie did the graphic design and, and I hand screen all this stuff on screens largely that I've made myself. It's, it's a very DIY kind of merch store that's available there. Uh, Facebook is where you'll find out when we're playing. Um, Spotify is where you can hear what we're playing. And please click that button that fucking makes sure that you hear our new music when it comes out. Um, but more than any of that, go to a fucking show. Right. Go to a show. Go to a show. Go to a show. Even if you're, it's solo, go to a show. Yeah. You don't need friends. You'll make friends. <laughs> if you fucking come to my show and, and tell me that you came alone and I will be your friend. You can fucking sit on the edge of the stage if you need to. Right. Like, I I encourage everyone, and I'm not just talking about myself. I'm not talking about sirens in the suburbs. I'm talking about getting out and indulging in live music because it fills your spirit and because it fills other people's spirits to fucking have you there. And it's important. It's really, really, really fucking important. It's way more important than what's going on on your cell phone. It's way more important than who's fucking running for president it's it's elemental and you got to go support live music and while you're doing that i hope that you'll come and support sirens in the suburbs live music um like i said we're going to be at uh, the aztec theater on october 13 we're going to be up at the skate bar september 30th um there will be other stuff you know we're we're ramping this thing up we're going to book more awesome. shows we'll be in lawrence uh I'd like to go down and play in Wichita. I've been trying to get a hold of Kirby's Beer Store. If anybody at Kirby's Beer Store is listening, what's up, Kirby's Beer hit Store? Me, hit me up, Kirby's Beer Store. Right? Don't be a hater. Right. Um, last but not least. Last but not least. Let's go. You ready? I'm on a fucking roll. You here. ready for this All one? Right. Okay. This is not even in the notes. It's coming off the cuff. It is okay and acceptable to wear the T-shirt of the band you're seeing at their show. True or false? That's hard because my initial reaction is, no, don't do that. It's, it's, it's true that you should not wear the <laughs> of the band. However, my parents come to a lot of our shows. Like, they've seen us more than anybody probably, and they always wear their Sirens in the Suburbs hey t-shirt. Moms and dads it, are it, exempt. Right. It's super sweet. Um, and I love seeing people wearing our merch at the show when they just bought it. Um, also, I think, also a little caveat in that those circumstances. If you just paid me thirty five bucks for a, a hoodie that I screen printed in my attic, and you want to wear it out on the smoking patio, fuck yeah, dude, I love you. Thank you. Here's um, where I'm going with this, though. Don't go to a Bon Jovi concert Ooh. with a Bon Jovi T-shirt on. Don't listen to Bon Jovi. Period. Sorry. You know, everybody's got their yeah, voices. yeah. Um, we're all at for the most part a Sirens in the Suburbs show because we like them or somebody that we know or loves us likes them. So, so by default, we love, we love them too. That's our common threat. That's why we're there. So rep something else. Uh, you know, I, I already know you're a sirens in the suburbs because you bought a fucking ticket and you're here. Right. I want to see what else I'm, I might not ever see you again. This is your one chance to anyway, I don't wear them. Your own band shirts right, no. <laughs> on stage, not anywhere. You guys ever heard of these guys? <laughs> I've got like 
I've got like two or three Sirens in the Suburbs t-shirts that um, should have worn one for this, man. I oh. might put on when I'm like mowing the yard or something, but I only have them because like uh, one time we played at this place called uh, Har- Harvey's. I I call it Harvey's. It's it's Harley's. Harley's Hideaway uh, on Johnson Drive. Oh my god! Where we played our first game. I'm getting. I am about to ship an opening order to the new concept in that space. Oh, good. Like next week. Um, Weird, weird spot though. Weird spot to play for a a punk rock show, but we did one, and actually we did two. I think we played there a couple of times, but one time we showed up and the fucking air conditioning was broken. Awesome. Yeah. And um, it was ruckus, man. Like, like I said, I fucking I go off. I'm I'm active on stage. You're the front man of a punk rock band. And I mean. it was a thousand fucking degrees in there. And when we finished, I was just soaked through all my clothes with sweat. And so I took off my shirt and I put on a Sirens in the Suburbs <laughs> T-shirt. And that's one of the two that I have in my drawer right now for working on the car or mowing the yard. But otherwise. You won't catch me wearing my own merch out, and and you won't catch me wearing the shirt of the band that's playing tonight. Shane Powers, thank you so much. Sirens in the Suburbs, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Bandcamp. Spotify. Spotify. Live fucking music. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. It's an awesome thing that you do, and it's it's. thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here. See ya. Uh-huh.